Alright, creatures of the night, welcome to episode 76 of Talking Taker, our encyclopedic exploration digging up the career of the greatest professional wrestling character of all time. My name is Alex Dorio, I am joined as always by my tag team partner, my wrestling buddy, my fellow creature of the night, Rhino's number one fan, Mr. Travis White. And Travis, you know, I guess what this really is, is an episode of Stalking Taker. Am I right? Exactly. This is Welcome to Stalking Taker, episode one, a.k.a. Invasion. So, yeah, man, Stalking Taker is about to get it's, uh, a healthy dose of, of stalkage right here. So, uh, Oh, man, this is it, man. This is uh, one of the most ominous matches or, or, or periods on the Undertaker spreadsheet that we created. One of the most infamous ones, perhaps one of the most hated or despised or just, ugh, just wrestle crappiest uh, eras of the Undertaker's career is this few month period that we got to dig into here as a sort of a double episode for us. We're going to combine whew, almost 10 weeks of the Undertaker's career right here. A lot of ton of newsworthy, memorable stuff, memorable for all the wrong reasons as we cover not only King of the Ring 2001, but uh, we're not going to officially cover that one since it's not officially a match. So we're going to combine that. It's, it's not, in. but you wouldn't know that watching the show. Yeah, I mean, it gets its own match graphic and everything as Undertaker has a confrontation with Diamond Dallas Page, his wife's stalker. And then we're going to keep on rolling into the infamous Invasion pay-per-view from July 2001 and the Undertaker's spot in that inaugural brawl. We're going to tell you the story of how we got to all those different moments. So grab a drink, grab some grab some snacks, grab some barbecue, settle in, folks. It's going to be a big one here tonight. Uh, we're going to try to condense it and roll through it all week as much as we can, but I think you and I both predicted, Travis, this is probably going to be our longest episode ever, so uh, <laughs> hopefully we'll keep it enjoyable for all you guys out there. Uh, but I do want to bring up, before we get into this week's stuff, I want to bring up one uh, quick correction and omission from last week's episode. Uh, we appreciate all you guys tuning in to that as we talked about Great American Bash 1990. We talked about Undertaker's run in the original, the real WCW, as Mean Mark. And Travis, you and I started the episode talking about his uh, Mean Mark, Mark Calloway, his first few matches with Bruiser Brody. And we talked about how cool it would have been to see something like that and that we couldn't find footage of it. But the footage does exist, man. I was able to uh, find a couple YouTube videos of Bruiser Brody versus Texas Red, a masked Texas Red, and throw that up on our Facebook page. So if you don't like Talking Taker on Facebook, you need to go check that out, roll over there, and look at that footage. It's just a quick little three-minute squash match, but it's neat to see those guys in the ring together. And perhaps the most interesting thing, and the I think the biggest thing we left out of that, is Texas Red's manager for that match was none other than a young Percy Pringle, a.k.a. <laughs> Paul Bearer. Are you kidding me? Isn't that crazy, man? I saw that you posted that on there, and I was like, what the heck, dude? I cannot believe that, A, we missed it, and B, that it actually happened. Yeah. Like, so we covered three different managers, and they, they all had a huge impact on him in the beginning of his career and it, as he became the Undertaker. So it's just crazy, man. 
crazy how the wrestling business is. It is, and I don't think that gets talked enough about that. That Percy Bringle managed Mark Calloway all the way back, you know, five years before he ever became the Undertaker. Dude, that is just wild. <laughs> One of those yeah. strange wrestling connections. But meant uh, to be, man. It was meant to be. But I tell you what, man. You know uh, something about Bruiser Brody is. He never got his wife involved in the wrestling business, and <laughs> he kept her very far away from it, from what I've read. And uh, I wish that Mark Calloway could have learned that lesson from Bruiser Brody back in those days, because, oh man, let's get into it, dude. Let's talk about perhaps, arguably, the maybe the worst stretch of the Undertaker's career. I don't know what we're, we're we like to re we don't we try to reexamine things here, go at it with a fresh look, but definitely one of the most uh, infamous little runs of the Undertaker's career as he brings his wife Sarah into play here into the storylines, which we saw a little bit of back at the Judgment Day, but it's gonna go full force here. You know. I think I realized I just now had an epiphany. You know, okay. we've been talking about how, you know, this Blacker Taker, we really weren't looking forward to getting to this this era kind of, you know, and but we've really been enjoying it, you know, up to this point. And I think I just now realized why, like, this is what I think of when I think of Blacker Taker. Yeah. I think of the stalker stuff, stuff with Sarah, and I think that's why I wasn't looking forward to really covering it and didn't have the fondest memories because when he first comes back, when he when he first debuts as the biker taker, WCW is still an option for us to watch. So I'm splitting my time between both shows, you know, and you know I'm watching them both live and flipping back and forth, and you know maybe VCR and or videotaping one and watching it in full the next day. But like you know, that's how I was doing stuff. But then once WCW is gone, my only option is to watch WWF, and then he immediately throws his wife on there, <laughs> and it just takes the. It just makes him too human, you know? It just yes. takes that aura away. And I think yes. that, that I just now realized, I think that's why I have, I had these not-so-fond memories of the Spiker Taker era. So I do want to, you know, I, we've both come around and said it's been fun up to this point. But, you know, I think that <laughs> that makes, that makes, does that make sense to you? I mean, it does, man. Absolutely. It, it absolutely makes sense. And one thing that we'll talk about as we go along here, but but my hypothesis uh, that just to start things off is that I feel like everyone is just miscast in their roles here. Uh, Stone Cold is miscast. DDP is miscast. The Undertaker is miscast. Vince McMahon is miscast. It's just no one is playing the role that they're supposed to be playing. And they're all great performers and they're doing what they can with it. And there's still going to be some very memorable moments amongst all of this, but it just never clicks into place the way that it all should have because no one's playing the role that they're best at. Well, yeah, I guess, I mean, we'll see how that all unfolds here. And I mean, I, I, I agree with that. And speaking of another role that people were, those miscast that we didn't even know, Kurt Angle, People want to cheer that guy like no other oh, they at did. this point. Yeah, you know, so it's just it's funny, man. He it's is funny. my highlight for this uh, for this episode, man. I can't yeah, wait to talk yeah. about some of Kurt Angle's yeah. moments on here. But uh, yes, why don't you kick us off, man, and talk about the night after Judgment Day, two thousand one, as we Judgment Day. <laughs> Rev up the rev up the motorcycle and drive forward from 1990 all the way back to the future of 2001. Whoa, whoa, future whoa. past days of future past, if you will. We're going back to the future. 
Days of Future Past to the Future, Back to the Future. Anyway, all right, let's go there. Blech, enough of that. Uh, this is Raw 417, the night after Judgment Day, um, May 21st. So Austin's out gloating about beating Taker at Judgment Day, and he says that Taker's not getting any more rematches. And actually, and I just want to say he's getting massive heat from the San Jose crowd. You know, we mentioned that on two episodes ago on Judgment Day, how his heel turn is actually mm-hmm. working now. You know, the crowd's giving him heat. And, um, eventually, this this uh, promo leads to him and Triple H defending their tag team titles against Jericho and Benoit because at Judgment Day, Jericho and Benoit won this tag team turmoil craziness. And anyway, Jericho comes out. Anyway, that's all going to – that all happens here. And I just I bring that up just because, man, this is, this is the night that the two-man power trip crumbles. Um, on accident because Triple H's quad blows up, explodes, rolls up into his knee yep. or into his thigh, and I just, I will. There are times and places and, and moments and matches you'll never forget, and this is one I'll never forget watching this live and knowing that something happened there, but still, still being captivated by the match. And he, I even went back and watched it. And you know, you and I both gone on record saying it's hard to watch a Benoit match. Um, I did watch this one, and it was tough to to, to but like just. Because it was, it wasn't just a singles match, you know, of yeah. his. I think it helped me um, just watch it and, and enjoy the the story being told. Because I was just, man, I was encapsulated or encapsulated, captivated. Excuse me, it's late. <laughs> I was captivated <laughs> um, uh, by this match again, and I'll just, I'll never forget this Raw and this particular match. So, oh, it's five stars. One of the best Raw matches, TV matches mm-hmm. of all time. The heat is off the charts. Uh, absolutely incredible man great story yeah well and before that happens um i I mentioned all that too because austin's still kind of involved with taker so deborah's missing from her locker room and austin's going to regal to talk to him about it and regal says you know that he thinks taker's responsible for it so turning the tables on taker here and um austin comes back to his locker room and finds deborah just drinking coffee there and she's like you know i'm sorry i wasn't here had to go to the other side of the building uh, so apparently they couldn't put a coffee machine outside of the biggest outside of the champs, you know, door. They had to put it on the other <laughs> side of the arena. So anyway, Taker then barges in and like gets in Deborah's face, and it was pretty uncomfortable to watch, honestly, <laughs> just mm-hmm. watch him doing it. Mm-hmm. But um, he gets in her face. He's like, "You scared? You should be." And uh, the crowd kind of boos a little bit because you know there's something about that that anger and violence toward women that's just even back then it was you know it wasn't the me too stuff and everything but like it was just a little uncomfortable just a little uncomfortable to watch yeah um he then gets in austin's face and it's like you know it's personal now and then you know if you ever decide to bring my family into this again i'm going to show you what it's like to step on somebody's family and then he walks out taker does and austin's like yeah yeah okay and you know the reason deborah i didn't just whoop takers because you know i didn't want you to see that right in front of you you know and so he's just playing that chicken chicken salad heel here and yeah you know but, but then blaming her like you know it's your fault I didn't get my hands up back on him so it's just kind of funny you know the coward that he is now so anyway that's pretty much it for that raw so well since there's not much there's actually nothing involving undertaker on this next episode of smackdown uh there is the uh, another awesome tv match the the tlc3 mm-hmm. match that got thrown together that i think uh, yeah they've talked about on different podcasts all the guys in that match they kind of found out uh, they had voicemails on their phone when they got off the plane into the next town the next day or the next morning. Like, oh, we got a TLC match tonight, or they got yeah. to the arena or something like that, and had to throw it together, which is insane. But uh, I will just say about that main event, the two-man power trip match versus Benoit and Jericho, where Triple H gets injured, tears his quad. That too 
uh, as we're getting into this episode and talking about the invasion, that is one of the great what ifs about you know ever in wrestling. I would say is what might have happened had Triple H not got injured yep. in that match. What would have happened had he been around for the invasion? And exactly. I know, you know there's lots of Triple H haters out there, and that's fine, especially during this era. You know, whatever. But just I, I you know, they, it was clearly they were clearly going somewhere with this Triple H Austin storyline, and and they were. It looks like they were about to break up. This might have caused the right. breakup right here, anyway. And maybe they were supposed to fight at King of the Ring instead of the three way that we got with with Austin Benoit and Jericho. And, you know, with Triple H getting hurt and then Benoit getting hurt, too, mm-hmm. I think that's a lot of the reason why so much of this invasion stuff got sped up and put out there, you know, uh, at the pace that it did, at the level that it right. did. That's why so many of these plans uh, went crazy, went haywire. That's why we got the Stone Cold Kurt Angle team up and their, all their comedy stuff. I didn't, you know, what role might Triple H have played? Would he have led team wwf and turned face you know there, there could have been a lot more interesting uh cards in the deck i'll say had he not gotten injured and uh that's just one of the big shames and i think the invasion might have played out a good bit differently had he and chris benoit as well i think mm-hmm. he would have played a, a pretty pivotal role in things as well uh maybe not up to that same level but man what if what if oh yeah a huge what if man like just i've always wondered you know what was his role in the invasion or was or did the invasion even look differently you know like what were the plans initially for were they just going to roll out yeah it had to be something different because him and you know that's part of what leads steph to being on her own and being able to go play that ecw role is that she doesn't she has nothing to do without triple h there so exactly that's just one of those you know butterfly effect things yep always wonder what was going to happen there so maybe fun to to go back and see the notes they had about mm-hmm. it or whatever was going to happen so yeah or just i don't know hear the hear the the um conference call the next day about oh, like oh crap here we gotta go yeah. here we go yeah. <laughs> let's do something so anyway maybe we'll get that on a pritchard show one day or something maybe they'll just break it all down like as far as what that night or something i don't know yeah i would love that who knows so they've already covered the invasion, but it wasn't a very good episode. So. Yeah, and he's we, we'll, we can talk about some of that. He's full of crap on some of this stuff. Too. Yes, so, absolutely. Yeah. That's going to bring us to Raw four eighteen on uh, May twenty eighth two thousand one, and uh, so this is the night where Jr. says he got a letter from a courier earlier that night. So I'm imagining that the word of the day calendar said courier that day. So <laughs> it's not a word you hear a good Oklahoman. Without the internet, say so. <laughs> um, so this letter apparently says that we will meet Taker's wife Sarah tonight, and Taker isn't even there at the arena. He says, so I guess she's just gonna pop in, um, use her bring your wife to to work coupon, I guess, and uh, I don't know, whatever. But this is also the raw where Lance Storm makes history as the first quote unquote invader from WCW to debut on WWF television, where he super kicks Perry Saturn. Man, um, I, I remember where I was watching yep. that too. Yeah, me too, me too, man. I think that uh, man, I, I, if we weren't on the phone with each other at that moment, I remember we were on the phone immediately after that happened because we were just being yeah. like, "Yeah, well, I, w- I was actually at my grandparents' house in Tennessee, like watching on some oh, maybe the next day. TV. Yeah, it was yeah. probably probably the next day, but I remember. You know, I, I don't I don't think I was able to watch all the show last night, but I, but I remember seeing Lance Storm. Super oh, yeah. Saturn and it blew my mind. I went crazy. Yeah, just 
just nuts, man, just to see it, you know, finally. So, um, and then, we, so this is our first stalker footage we're going to get here. We see mm. this footage come up on the screen, and it's Sarah at home in a bathrobe, like brushing her hair. And there's like this really creepy voiceover, and it's like, This is the Undertaker's wife, Sarah, in the privacy of her own home, combing her beautiful blonde hair. That's weird. It's very weird. It's weird. Yes. Uh, but it's like, the, and honestly, it's like the reverse from uh, two years ago, the ministry, where we got the Taker, Stalk, and Stephanie, you know? so Yeah, yeah. It is definitely, you know, we've seen Undertaker play a lot of mind games, and finally someone's turning the page and playing them on him. So it's definitely interesting. It's, it's jarring. It makes you wonder what is going on here. And it's going to continue on the next. Uh, it's going to continue on for a few weeks here, including on SmackDown on May thirty first, two thousand one. SmackDown number ninety three. And um, again, Undertaker is not on the show, just like he wasn't on Raw. Um, there's a great main event with Benoit and Austin uh, oh, on this show. So good. That which I think they fought on Raw that same week. They back to back main events. They did. And they were both both incredible matches. Um, I think if I didn't rewatch it, but is that the one where uh, Benoit hits him with like a dozen German mm-hmm. suplex? Oh man, yeah. yeah, and that's the one that Austin said several times on his podcast that um that that's the match there there was slot you know it's it's a it's taped on Tuesdays you know so they can cut stuff out of the match but it, they were given like twelve minutes or something and they took like twenty two or something oh yeah and yeah, Ben yeah. Ben Benoit he like he's he told Benoit like it's fine it's me like just let's just go with it so <laughs> um he said that he took a chew and afterward but he was like it's fine don't worry about it so and Benoit told him thanks afterward for that because yeah. that really put him at, in a main event spot that did. match did so uh, there is a, another stalker video continuing this on and this time <laughs> the stalker is watching Sarah and Undertaker on their big ranch out in Texas. Uh, they're riding their ATVs around and the stalker talks about he's having just as much fun watching them as they are and you know the announcers on both of the shows are just putting over how disturbing these videos are Taz calls it whack <laughs> and, not uh, wacko no not tobacco no, just whack okay. uh, you know, he's, he's whack. cool yeah, he, well, yeah something like that <laughs> But, Dude, were uh, they? Uh, were they? You think they were riding their ATVs to the Schmidt Family Barbecue? Oh, no doubt about it, man. <laughs> I couldn't resist. <laughs> Favorite place in Texas. Um, but yeah, it's just—it's creating, it's building up this mystery of what's going on, who is doing Ooh. this, why are they doing this? <laughs> you just got Sam McLaughlin go through my head. You're welcome. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Dead. Oh man. Oh yeah, well it's gonna get weirder, you know, as we keep going here. So we got Raw four nineteen on June fourth. So, you know, Taker hasn't been at Raw or SmackDown the last week, and so now we see him ride up to the arena on his motorcycle, and he's coming out to the ring with a purpose. And he, um, he's <laughs> I just wrote my notes that he's rocking uh, Foley's finest flannel tonight, man. Mm. He's just got the flannel on, dude, looking just looking like it's fall, you know. Absolutely. But it's, it's the middle of or beginning of June, so oh, you anyway. can wear flannel all year round, man. Oh, I, I do. <laughs> Nothing I wrong with that. Absolutely, yeah. But um, he's pacing the ring like a you know 
Cage lion and he's walking around and again his promos are so much better when he's doing that. I just love that the sense of urgency and you know you can just see the passion and the anger in him. But um, he's talking about you know somebody's got a death wish and their wish is about to come true and he says whoever's stalking my wife and trespassing my property you know I suggest you take it up with me and not my wife. So then he says that he's going out of his way to keep his family out of this business. This crap's gone on long enough and I'm in no more of a mood for any more tapes. Or any more letters. Enough is enough. I've never seen the Undertaker this emotional. It's funny because the, the way he's talking, he's getting so passionate. He's not like crying, yeah. but he's stopping and like he's really playing that character like like, like a concerned husband would be. You know, it's really. It, I don't know. It's just more emotion out of him than we've seen in a long time. Um, I don't Which know. It's just so it was, weird to see yeah, how far exactly. we've come to see vulnerability in the Undertaker, man. Ex- exactly. To see him get emotional is weird, you know. Um, but he's like, you know, I don't think Austin's stupid enough to do this um, since he's been warned. So he's like, I want to know who it is. And so when, when I find the SOB, he'll die a thousand deaths before he ever videotapes my family ever again. So I guess he's got. You know, the uh, Dean Malenko is the man with a thousand holds, and uh, Taker is the man with a thousand deaths. I, I guess. love that. <laughs> I wish I that was his nickname. The man of a thousand deaths. He does. Great. He says it a couple yeah. times in a couple he different does. promos. So, <laughs> uh, well, then he, in a strange turn of events, he goes over to Jr. and he's like, you know, threatening Jr. because he's the one that got the letter from that courier. You know, and he's like, True. you know. If you know something, you're going to pay. And JR's like, I don't know. What are you talking about? He's, you know, claiming innocence. And, and Heyman's like, uh, well, if it was my old lady. And as soon as he says that, Taker just gives him a soup bone across the face, man. <laughs> just slaps him out of his seat. He falls over onto the ground. It's so good. And then uh, JR's like, you know, just go talk to Vince. You know, he's the one that rolls the footage and stuff. So True. And as we're doing that, you know, another video comes on. And it's like, uh, why look, it's Sarah. Where's your husband, Sarah? Are you all alone at home, Sarah? Don't worry, I'm further away than it looks. I have a nice long lens on my camera. <laughs> but if you want to get up, uh, excuse me, but if you want to get up close, I could. He said, it's pretty obvious that Sarah loves animals because she's playing with her puppies at this point. There's like, oh, like on the. <laughs> <laughs> I need to go back and watch this one. Holy crap. She's playing with the Great Dane. Oh. Out by Excuse the pool. She's just not Deborah. It's a different kind of stalker <laughs> Well, I don't know. It's getting to that. It's getting there. Yeah, it was a nice Holy. long lens. <laughs> Holy crap. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. So... Um, the stalker says that she's going inside where she thinks it's safe, and then the Taker is ticked off and he's storming up the the aisleway. I guess he's stomping to the back to see who's I don't know who's back there rolling the footage. I, I don't right. know, but yeah, the monkeys. Uh, in another the truck. In- exactly. Another interesting thing is you know we're getting close to King of the Ring here, and we get a classic King of the Ring moment, and it's the classic King of the Ring moment. That's it. With yeah, the the Hell in a Cell with Taker and Mankind. So just. You know, that match has been three years and still not going away. And now in, in real life, it's been 18 years. And it's not going away <laughs> no. anytime soon. So, um, uh, 
or no, it's been twenty. No, it's been twenty-one years. Sorry, twenty-one years. Yeah, twenty-one years. Eighteen years since point, yeah. two thousand one. Yeah, wow. golly, Whew, that's nuts. So, um, Taker goes back and he confronts Vince during the break, and we see him. Uh, he walks up to him. He's like, "Start talking." So Vince is like, "I had no idea what this is all. I got nothing to do with it." And I think I know who it is, though. You know, I think I know. It's, it, it could be Shane. You know, since he invaded the production truck earlier to roll some WCW footage on the on the Titantron. So, um, and then Taker's like, "Well, if you're screwing with him, or if you're screwing with me, I'm going to take the whole WWF and stick it straight up your backside." <laughs> so that's that's going to be impressive if he can wrap up the whole WWF machine. Stick it up Vince's butt, kiss my butt, club. Um, that's going to be impressive. So I'd like, to, I'd like to have seen that. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, it's going to continue on here to SmackDown, uh, June seventh, two thousand one, episode number ninety four of SmackDown. Um, we see Undertaker pacing around backstage. You know, he's trying to find this guy, whoever it is. He's going to be waiting for him. Uh, Kane is lacing up his boots next to him, and Taker decides to go in the parking lot to meet Shane. Uh, when he arrives, uh, and if Shane McMahon doesn't give him the right answers about being Sarah Stalker, well, he's going to destroy him. So, um, Commissioner Regal tells Vince that he's got security outside waiting to keep Shane McMahon out of the building when he arrives, and Vince says, oh, no, 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 let him in, because I want Undertaker to take care of him. So, Vince is plotting, <laughs> trying to yeah. uh, use this angle to try to eliminate Shane McMahon. Uh, we get another stalker video as Sarah is getting into a truck into a parking lot. And uh, the stalker says, The Undertaker is threatening me, but I do not take kindly to threats. Sarah, I bet you feel safe in the parking lot with all these people, but you're not. Where are you going, Sarah? Going for a ride, Sarah? Maybe you want a little company. <laughs> Something like that. Uh, Master Yoda. <laughs> No, that was pretty good. That was all right. Was all right. Yeah. Uh, then Undertaker sees he's, he's out there. He's paced around the parking lot. We see clips of that all through the night. And finally, a WCW limo pops up. But apparently, Shane is not the one in it. I don't think we ever find out who exactly is in it. Uh, but Taker, Whoa, what? Yeah, Taker opens the door and tells whoever's in the limo to pick another night. Uh, tonight's not your night. Uh, tells tells them to tell Shane that the Undertaker is looking for him. I love that. You just pick a different night and close yeah. the door. Don't like, forget to knock. Pick another night. Find yourself a woman. He's got all kind of like advice for people. I love it. Doctor Phil. Maybe it was maybe it was Goldberg. Man, he decided he was gonna come join the invasion, but Taker told him pick another night, and he was like, yep. Nah, forget this, man. Oh, maybe it was Sting. Sting. It's like could have been it right there. <sighs> Dang it, Undertaker he ruined it. Yeah. Uh, Taker and Kane end up finding Shane backstage at the show, and Undertaker just unloads on him when he sees him, beats the crap out of him, (laughs) slams him into this ice cooler in the back, and Kane pulls them apart and tells Taker that Shane's telling the truth, man. He has nothing to do with these stalker videos. It's not him. And then Taker, out of frustration, he, like, for a shoot, nearly punches a hole in this cooler out of frustration. I don't know how he didn't break his hand, because he... Just legitimately punched it full force, this metal cooler. And uh, yeah, that's the end of things on that episode of SmackDown. Is Undertaker is still no closer to finding out who the stalker is, but he's, he's on the right track of things that it is someone here in WCW, as we're going to find out. Right. And I can't 
overstate how good of a bumper Shane is, man. Like for being not a worker, <laughs> like Shane's a great bumper, man. Like and he always has great matches. And they're always entertaining. And not maybe not great, maybe right. that's the wrong word, but they're always entertaining and he knows how to bump. I think he, even he, he doesn't day. know how to punch, but he knows how to bump. No. <laughs> no, he punches like my twelve week old daughter, but <laughs> hey, he can bump like, you know, like no, I don't know. Somebody that bumps well. <laughs> I was gonna say Sean Michaels, but that's not true. So well, let Please. me say one other thing about this show. Uh, since yeah. we've talked about Jerry Lynn a bunch on this show, well, on this yes. episode of SmackDown, Jeff Hardy beats Jerry Lynn for the light heavyweight championship, and that pretty much does it for Jerry Lynn. Uh, we're going to see him in the in the uh, WWF job squad here later mm-hmm. on during the invasion, but that's pretty much the end of any relevancy that he would ever have in the WWF on this episode. Yeah. So. And it sucks. It's a shame. It's a crying shame yeah. to me, personally. Yeah, I don't uh, know why he didn't... Well, he wasn't in, in the WC, the uh, the alliance. I don't know why he uh, didn't hang around for that. I don't know. There's several people that could have been in it. Ty Jerry could have been on the alliance's team, right? You know? But um, as R- Wes Regal calls him, Ty Jerry. But anyway, it's there's a lot of stuff. But it, yeah, I don't think a lot of it made that much sense. But no. anyway, well, speaking of that, let's go to Raw 420. Um, Rob Van Dam's favorite episode. This is uh, on June. 11 2001 so backstage we see shane thanking kane for saving him from taker on smackdown and he's like you know i got an idea who could be who could be stalking uh sarah you know he's like the, he's like think of one person who interferes in marriages you know like triple h and stephanie's you know a couple years ago it's kurt angle because again this is because kurt and shane are now feuding because yep i forgot to mention for some reason after uh angle got his medals back at judgment day the next night he came out for like a coronation yep. and shane just interrupts for no reason to start their feud so they're feuding but you know it is a pretty cool continuity here that he's like you know you know shane or kane or excuse me kurt is a home wrecker <laughs> so uh you know it could be him yeah so. it makes sense yeah absolutely so um uh, Kurt comes out for for a promo, and he's like, I'm going to beat Benoit in a cage match tonight, which, again, I'll never forget that match either. What a stretch, a TV match. I know. I know. Like, And it was just so uh, rare for that day even, you know, to get these just epic five-star matches on Raw and SmackDown just back to back to back to back, especially because there was no competition on the other channel. (laughs) And they all involve Chris Benoit, too. Yeah, it's it's crazy. He was on fire. Yeah, he was, man. And so, anyway, uh, Curtis, he calls out Shane since he's a coward. And instead, uh, our boy Undertaker answers the challenge. He comes to the ring, and he's getting in Angle's face. And he's like, you know, you better start talking while you still got teeth in your mouth. So he's just really threatening people. And uh, um, <laughs> Kurt's like, what are you talking about? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, I'm sorry some maniac is stalking your wife, but I got better things to do. First of all, I met your wife once. I didn't even like her. I didn't even find her attractive. <laughs> <laughs> this is perfect, Kurt Angle, man. Like he's he's amazing. Uh, and Taker just immediately when he hears that line, he just clobbers him, clobbers him, yes. and gives him this absolutely enormous Yuletide wedgie last ride. Like his <laughs> his his pants are up there, man. It is crazy. Why is it a Yuletide wedgie? Well, that's from a Ren and Stimpy episode oh. <laughs> way back okay. in the day. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm dating myself here. But um, anyway, at this point, after this special Yuletide wedgie, uh, last ride powerbomb <laughs> that Kurt Angle hasn't received in several months, um, 
we get another uh, stalker video, and it says, you know, and I'll try my stalker voice here. <laughs> Undertaker, we're back here at your home, but Sarah's not there. Where is she? What have you done with her? I don't know where Sarah. Oh, excuse me. Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, just, just like the video. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know where Sarah is. Yeah, she's here in her hotel room where you've hidden her. Trying to keep Sarah away from me? I don't like that, Undertaker. I don't like you keeping Sarah away from me. I'm growing tired of your games, Undertaker. Very tired of your games. I'm warning you, don't keep her away from me because wherever Sarah is, I'll be. I let your wife. I left your wife a special message. <laughs> and then it goes to show. He's a big Edwin says, McCain fan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, he's also, he's, he's also going to be a big. Uh, oh goodness, what's that uh, band with um, lipstick on the wall? Goodbye says oh, it all. Black he Hawk. leaves a yeah, yeah Blackhawk. He For leaves sure. a message that says, "Sarah, I know where you are," and uh, on the wall, and so. Uh, then he shows him going through her underwear. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, there's lipstick on the wall that says, I know where you are, which reminds me of, like, I know what you did last summer, and this yeah. this whole voiceover reminds yeah. me of Scream, which uh, it's just, it's weird. It is so, weird. It's, you know, it's something different that they're trying, sure. and it's a mystery angle, which, you know, it does, I, I love a good mystery angle, man. We've talked about it. It's hard to, it's hard to have a good payoff. Yeah, but it does. Exactly. It always intrigues people. It always gets the internet talking. It, it gets fans invested. So um, you know, I appreciate that they're trying things here. But yeah, it is definitely pushing the boundaries of of what uh, of wrestling. You know, how yeah. is this oh, yeah. really work for a wrestling storyline? And yeah, I don't know. Mysteries literally never pay off. Well, I can't think of one. Kane. That's what we talked okay, about. Kane. That's, yeah, that's the right. that's best it. possible example of yeah, one that ever right. paid off. Yeah. That's it. Well, uh, we get a theory here on SmackDown on June 14th, 2001, as uh, Michael Cole and Taz show the Stalker video from Monday. And someone in the crowd has a theory that I wish would have paid off oh, yeah? that says Kamala stalks Sarah. And <laughs> <laughs> I wish that were the case, man. <laughs> <laughs> he, he takes the mask off and he English. just starts patting his belly. <laughs> Come on. Oh, and starts singing Mabel McCain. <laughs> God. Ah, <laughs> uh, what might have been? Oh, man. Can you imagine if Harvey Wilfman was doing the voiceover? <laughs> or Kim Chi? <laughs> kind of. I can kind of imagine that. Actually, in real life, I could. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, this was around the time. I don't know if you remember this, dude, but. Someone posted, I remember uh, someone posted a video online or audio that was this stalker voice from one of these promos. It was sped up to full speed and it showed that it was actually Vince McMahon doing the voiceovers on these videos. That, and uh, I believe it was on like Scott Keith's website. I yeah. think they were the ones that broke it. But I remember that. And then, you know, that became the new rumor that oh, it's Vince McMahon doing these videos. But, you know, obviously he was just doing the promo. But that didn't mean he was the one doing the stalking. The Undertaker's wife, Sarah, combing her beautiful blonde hair. She has a nice figure. Here's your husband, Sarah. I bet you feel safe. But you're not. Are you gone, Sarah? Are you all alone at home, Sarah? Maybe you want a little company. Because wherever Sarah is, I'll be. 
think he was the one rubbing his hands through Sarah's underwear? Because uh, probably was. One hundred percent. Yes. Yeah, without question. <laughs> without question. <laughs> oh, is is it kind of weird though that it's Vince doing them? Like, is it it's one of those like weird, like, uh, like real like life things? You know, like, like, does he really want to do this? But he's just like, oh, we'll just write into the show so I can actually do it. You know? Like uh, him and Tori Wilson coming up? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Maybe a little bit. Like him and, you know, Trish and all that, just all that stuff. It's like, oh, I got a good idea. Involves <laughs> <laughs> a hot blonde. <laughs> well, uh, Kurt Angle had a great idea because he's going to be facing Undertaker here on SmackDown. So he's going to look for backup in his match from none other than. The X Factor. That's who he's going to go for backup. Uh, we see him Ugh. talking to these guys. He says, Like you know Archangel what? and Beast and stuff. Like uh, that X- would have been a much better choice. <laughs> but unfortunately, he's talking to Albert, X Pac, Just Incredible. And he says, he says that, he's like, You X Factor guys are pretty cool. Albert, X Pac, Just Incredible. Justin. You know, if you say your last name immediately after your first name, it sounds like just incredible. <laughs> Get it? Just incredible. All right. Hey, incredible. See you, All right, guys. I'll see you. <laughs> Kurt Angle, MVP of this episode. He's, yeah. he's so, so good. good, man. He's so good. Um, and then Undertaker is going to face Kurt Angle here, and it's a very different Undertaker. He's very stoic. No posing. He's not raising his fist. You know, he, he does ride the motorcycle out to the ring, but you know he is all business here. He's he's obviously very upset. Uh, the announcers are wondering, hoping that he's got Sarah in a safe place tonight. And Undertaker basically uses this match with Kurt as a way to vent his frustrations. He just beats the crap out of Kurt uh, for a couple minutes. Eventually, goes outside and grabs the stairs and slams them into Kurt. He, Undertaker doesn't care that he gets disqualified for this. Right. Uh, Kurt's backup X Factor comes into the ring, and uh, it's a choke slam party. Undertaker <laughs> keeps choke slamming all of them. It's great. Uh, Can we he, get that T-shirt like this? Choke slam party. Super yeah. party. Let's get choke slam party. <laughs> the uh, <sighs> the invasion itself is going to continue to roll on as Shane brings out Stacy Keebler to make her debut, and I will she... not forget this either. <laughs> of course not. <laughs> she does a little dance to distract Rhino which allows Test to win the hardcore title. And that's going to play into the uh, our storyline here because Test is cutting a promo backstage celebrating his win when uh, he's he's back in front of like the interview set with the video screen and all of a sudden while he's talking another stalker video interrupts his promo and this time it's Sarah at a hotel, she's riding an exercise bike. Uh, she gets into the pool. she got a bikini on, but she's got security with her. And the stalker is obviously enjoying uh, this view of Sarah, but he says it's finally time to reveal himself. I'm tired of your games, Undertaker. It's time for the Undertaker's dreams to end and for mine to come true. And then we cut back to the arena, and Undertaker punches the wall out of frustration. But finally, the mystery is going to be revealed here on Monday Night Raw. The internet is buzzing. What is going on? Who could it possibly be? Um, I don't remember who I thought it was going to be, but I was definitely, you know, as weird as this whole thing was, it's a mystery, man, so I'm intrigued by it. Well, you know who I didn't, you know, I, I knew, didn't think it was at all. Who's that? <laughs> who it's going to be. No, you're right. Absolutely not. 
So, yeah, I remember just being intrigued, though, you know, who's it going to be? It's got to be a WCW guy. I mean, we've kind of already set that bar, you know, but who's it going to be? You know, it's not going to be Sting. Could it be Flair? He's kind of creepy, you know. I could see Flair doing it. I, I don't know, man. I just didn't know who's going to be some kind of big star from WCW, but whew, here we go. <laughs> Buckle up. So we get Raw 421. This is June 18th, 2001. So we get this video compilation of all the stalker videos so mm-hmm. and just let's let's just let's take a step back for a second if this were real like we're supposed to take it seriously do you think taker really wants to playing all these again and again over on television probably not <laughs> his favorite thing yeah it's like i would ask him to i don't know take the tape out of the truck or something so <laughs> but anyway um so as hardcore holly's making his way to the ring he gets a jobber entrance because the stalker cuts his music and shows some more footage, and it's like he's like, uh, "I'm here tonight, right here in Tampa." But yesterday I was filming. I was with Undertaker and Sarah. Undertaker thinks he's protecting Sarah, and we see Taker in like a straw cowboy hat, and he's opening the passenger door for his giant like F-350, and um, they're getting in the truck, and he's like, uh, "Hey," he talks to Sarah. He's like, "Hey, uh, go grab your dad's skill saw from the garage." Um, and so she walks over to the garage and grabs it. And of course. The skill saw is directly in front of where the stalker and his mm-hmm. long camera lens are. <laughs> so, um, so, uh, and then the stalker's like, "Oh yes, it's over here next to me, Undertaker. Your tomorrows are over because tonight there will be no more disguising my voice, no more hiding my face. Tonight the games are over, Undertaker. Tonight in the ring, the world will find out who I am and why I'm here. I just wish Cher was here with me." And then we see the stalker walk through the garage as they pull off in their big old truck. So we get his body, you know, we get like from his waist down, kind of like he's one yeah. of the Muppet babies, like parents or something, <laughs> like, or whatever, the nanny or cow and chicken's parents. We just get the waist down. That's God. it. That was their influence. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So honestly, man, though, the crowd seemed pretty pumped to hear that, you know, the stalker's yeah. going to be here, you know, like, who's it going to be? Um, and I know, I know I was too. Again, um, I had two reasons I wrote down my notes here. One, to end this godforsaken angle, because it's kind of weird, but I do want to know who it was. And then two, just to see, you know, which wrestler is going to get this huge spotlight on him, you know, because, again, who's it going to, like, I'm just imagining, is it Mike Sanders? Is it Reno? Is it Sean Stasiak? Is it Chavo? Like, who, is it some jabroni like that? Or is it going to be a big name, you know, because we had, those of us marks that were on the internet at that time, we knew that there were only a certain amount of guys that got their, you know, contracts taken over by WWF. But who's it going to be? You know, who's yeah. going to get this spotlight put on them? So later on, we get Taker's music hits, and you, you know, it's supposed to be at home and not at the arena. But his music hits, and we get this figure in all black leather and a black ski mask. They ride out on his motorcycle, and at first the crowd pops because you know Taker's not supposed to be here. He's here though to confront the stalker. But anyway, as this masked figure comes out <laughs> jr says you ain't got to be dick tracy to see that ain't the undertaker <laughs> Just, what, what is with all the dick tracy stuff man? making a comeback <laughs> had it, uh, we had it two weeks ago we got it now it's just like well you know this man what? is always like 10 15 years behind on movies so maybe he's, he's like just 40 saw years <laughs> oh the the 1990 Dick Tracy movie. Uh, That's the one I just love saw. that movie. Yeah. I have a toys from that. Me too, so, man. That's yeah. so good, man. Yeah. Was that Warren Beatty? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And Madonna. Good stuff, man. Yeah. I always appreciate Duck Twacy. Remember that cartoon? <laughs> the, the, the Donald Duck, Duck Maybe Twacy? Maybe that was the influence, yeah. <laughs> Could have been. 
So uh, anyway, the stalker gets in the ring, raises his fist in the air, and the lights are out. The spotlight's just on him, and then the rest of the lights come on. We got it's a really good production right here. You know, yes, the lights come on, was. camera zooms in. He pulls off his mask to reveal Diamond Dallas Page. <laughs> Crazy. Crazy. Who then? Yeah, it's just weird, man. Like I did not see it coming because it's so not. DDP. This is not a DDP thing to do. Like the DDP we knew from WCW, this is not him at all. So I just remember being taken aback. Like, wow. But, and speaking of stuff being miscast, I don't know if he was given much direction here because he does his diamond cutter sign to like the delight of half the crowd mm -hmm. because. You're getting Diamond Dallas Page in the WWF properly, not just driving a pink Cadillac to the ring at right. WrestleMania. Yeah. What was that? Six, three, five. I don't remember which one it was. But anyway, this is him for real. He's going to be a wrestler on our TVs now. Um, so you get half the crowd is like, you know, it's hard not to put the Diamond Cutter symbol up. And, you know, it can't be stated how, uh, how over that symbol was and that move, you know, like. So half the crowd's loving it and half the crowd's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> It's weird. They're just confused, and I don't know, man. That's what I was talking about earlier. You know, DDP – well, first of all, it was a great reveal because for, – for a moment, for, for just sure, that moment exactly. when you see him because that lives up to the hype, man. That's mm -hmm. a huge one. WCW's absolute top stars coming in. That lives up to the hype right there. But sure. DDP, I know he had been a heel in WCW for, sure. for a while. Uh, he had done that, but come on. He's like, he was the original people's champ. I mean, before right. The Rock was the people's champ, DDP was the people's champ. And that's what he played that role best when he's mm -hmm. against the NWO. He's the one guy who's not going to join the NWO. And he's there with Rodman, uh, not Rodman, he's there with Malone. And he's there with Jay Leno or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but that's DDP. And to have him become this type of just dirtbag scumbag evil character he's miscast it's not yep. it's not the right part for him and it, no. it's confusing it is man and it's i don't know it's i don't know what to say <laughs> I'm, I'm like dumbfounded at this point in my life too yeah. just thinking about it it's just weird now the um, promo he gives and his reasonings it's pretty good like it yeah. it's kind of it's pretty logical yeah. Well, he he also before I get to that, he goes he's the actual DDP in real life has gone on record saying that he brought it up to Vince like I want to do people's champion versus people's champion me and the rock. Yeah. But like yeah. that writes itself. That makes so much sense, but Vince just, you know, he's got to do his own thing with him and so this is what we got. But yeah, you're right, man. He goes on to say in the ring here he's like, you know, Undertaker, like the diamond cutter, you never saw it coming, which is true. Yep. He's right. So then the, he goes on to explain, you know. If you want to make an impact in this business, you go after the biggest, the meanest, the baddest dog in the yard. And once you find that dog, if you want to get the very best of them, you make it personal. Real personal. And then, hey, you find that dog's witness. 
So he says that, you know, Taker has never shown weakness until he told Stone Cold a few weeks ago that if he ever messed with his family, he's going to make him famous, <clears throat> which is true. Taker's, I mean, exactly. Taker said that. We've covered that, you know. Um, and so he says that DDP says he got his wheels turned and he saw he and he saw the dead man uh, sounding very alive. He says, and for you, son, that's a sign of weakness. And then calls Taker a liar since he knows he's afraid of something now. So, you know, he's always, you know, not been afraid of anything, but now he knows that he's got a weakness. So then he mocks him saying, like, you know, you couldn't even come here to compete tonight. And he said, but there's a positive side, too, and that's that DDP has now made your wife famous. Um, so just, you know, kind of riffing on his, his make me famous or I'll make you famous, you know, tagline and stuff. So, yep. And then uh, DDP is like, nobody deserves to be more famous than me. D D P and I'm using you to get to the top of the business and I will see you at King of the Ring. You got a problem with me? Cool, Taker. I'm begging you, make me famous and make me it's... famous. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Says it that so was a... weird. Taker, I'm begging you, make me famous. That was a good delivery. Yeah. So, but then, then he leaves through the crowd and quote unquote security's coming to get him, but. He stops to do the diamond cutter sign. Like he's a big baby face. When he was a heel in WCW, he didn't do that. He left up the rampway back to the audience, back to the like locker room. He didn't go to the crowd. Yeah. Do a diamond cutter sign. Like, it was just it's just like he didn't get, you know, like an agent didn't tell him what to do. And it's just it's just weird, man. I don't know. Because he was like the second or third biggest baby face and the people's champion and now he's just the fans are confused instantly. Exactly. You know, and it's, instantly the promo's way too long they like the fans kind of lose interest in it halfway through it he could have he could have I, I think what he everything he says is logical like it makes sense he he's gonna he sees weakness yeah. in one of the WWS biggest guys so he's gonna exploit that and he wants to become a big guy and do that you could get you could, he could have got that across in half the time and you know if if this whole stalker business had stopped right there I think I could have bought it. Like he's using sure. mind games to get it, get his foot in the door, and then after that, he's gonna, you know, go back to being the DDP that we've all exactly. known and loved. But it doesn't. He like literally becomes this creepy stalker type person, which is miscast. That's just not yeah. DDP, and uh, you know, it's it's a. I mean, sometimes you can change people's characters and have it work, but it just it doesn't here, man. It just doesn't. No, it's it's weird, and and something else is weird. I guess you know, um, no offense to Lance Storm, but Paul Heyman completely looks over the fact that he was the first invader, and he's like, you know, this was the opening shot in the conflict between the WWF and WCW, yeah. and now everybody is going to be involved in this conflict. Which, again, not true. Lance Storm's super kick on Perry Saturn was, and Stacy Keebler. And Stacey Keebler, but I do. But you know, we keep saying that Taker's responsible for all these things in the history. He's responsible for yeah, I guess you know so. him and DDP are responsible for that opening shot here. <laughs> so there you go. You're welcome. Oh, thanks, Perry. Yeah, no problem. We're getting to that soon. <laughs> oh, it's it's happening. Yeah, it's already in on <laughs> yeah. all this stuff. And sh- I never. Re- I guess I never put together that his whole character was someone who has CTE. But yes, <laughs> it's, it's kind of weird to watch in was, two, 2019. But, yeah, because yeah. Bradshaw powerbombed him like six times in a row. Because he remember he actually like legit went went nuts on that referee. Yeah, on, on the job, jobber. Yeah, or the jobber. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, anyway, 
<laughs> All right, let's go home to King of the Ring with SmackDown. Uh, it's uh, June 21st, 2001. Uh, we get a recap. The show actually opens with the video recap in the stalker angle. So that's positioned as the main thing on this episode of SmackDown. Yeah. And Taker is doing his signature, waiting around in the parking lot on someone to arrive. He's waiting on DDP. He's got Sarah with him this time. They're both looking to get their hands on Dallas. Uh, Limo arrives to the show and Vince pops out and Undertaker's ready to beat him up now. He, but he begs off saying he didn't have a thing to do with DDP on Monday and he assures Taker that he won't be allowed anywhere near the building tonight. And this is important here. Taker says he wants DDP to be allowed in if he shows up so that he can send him to the depths of hell. So they actually use this justification later on uh, throughout some of this invasion stuff that Taker's the reason why DDP gets to keep coming to these shows because he gives him his permission to arrive to the yeah. event. So well, there you go. There it is. Uh, Taker and Sarah are going to make their way out to the ring. They stop in the hallway <clears throat> by Kane, and Kane tells his brother that if DDP shows up with any of his WCW cronies, then he's got his back. And Taker says he appreciates it. And so Taker and Sarah make their way out for the very first time on WWF television together out in the oh, arena. Here it begins. <laughs> talk about ripping away the aura of the, the mystique. The guy who's miscast here, man. We just... Mm. The, it's one thing to try to bring some realism to The Undertaker with this whole biker character, but... In much the same way, I didn't want to see Stone Cold with his wife Deborah as a babyface. You know, it kind of gives him a new element as a heel. But I don't really care about Undertaker and his wife. It's just strange, man. That this guy, the Dead Man, the Phenom, the Lord of Darkness, the man who walks with angels, and now he's this regular guy with his wife on screen together. But oh, maybe his wife's name is Angels. Sarah Angels. Oh, the man who walks yeah. with her. Yeah, exactly. Cowboys for angels. Bikers for angels. <laughs> Yikes. Well, Taker uh, cuts an impassioned promo here, man. He's going, who in the hell is Diamond Dallas Page? He's the sorry SOB I'm going to beat the hell out of the first chance that I get. Um, Taker runs down all the crimes that DDP has committed, including trespassing and being a peeping Tom and etc. And, and you did this because you want to be famous Paige you're not famous because you suck that a boy way to put over your opponent <laughs> yeah well Taker says over the past decade of destruction he's compiled a list of every wrestler who he's whooped and on that list is a lot of famous names, and Paige's name is about to go right up to the top. So Taker promises to give Paige the worst beating he's ever given everybody and invites <sighs> DDP to show up for that beating at King of the Ring. Well, DDP answers with a video on the screen. We hear just his voice at first. Yo, it's me, DDP. And uh, then we see DDP at home at Undertaker's house. And DDP is... Acting like he's on an episode of Cribs. He gives us a tour of the place, <laughs> uh, including the shower where he's watched Sarah. Uh, mm. Yeah. Yeah, Caroni. See, it's, yeah, that's that's unnecessary. <laughs> the bedroom. Uh, we see DDP going through Sarah's underwear drawer yet again. And then DDP jumps up on Undertaker's bed and demonstrates a few early DDP yoga moves on there. No way. <laughs> Downward dog. Um, Road Warrior 1. 
Um, <laughs> and Paige, it promises to meet Undertaker at King of the Ring. So, uh, Taker and Sarah are not amused by any of this, and a light, very light Taker chance break uh, break out in the arena in support, but mainly the crowd is just really confused. They really just don't know how to react to any of this, man. Yeah, it's it's strange, man. I don't know. Like again, the 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 reveal was cool for about mm, forty seconds, <laughs> <laughs> then uh, the ship sailed. So. Anyway, well, let's take the ship take sailing us. to King of the Ring, 2001. Yeah, come sail away, King of the Ring. You know, June 24th, 01. Again, we're not. This is not an episode for King of the Ring because I don't actually have a match here, but we're cramming it in here because it's necessary. So, this is from the Continental Airlines Arena in East Rutherford, New Jersey. DDP's backyard, man. He's a Jersey That's boy. That's right. Yeah, so, Jersey Triad. Exactly, man. What if? I should have brought them out with him. Yeah. <laughs> should have. Dude. Great. Came out with Champagne Canyon and Bam Bam. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> oh, well, anyway, he actually opens the show. Um, DDP does with this, you know, WCW Titantron and a new theme song, which it's it's the it's a turd, man. <laughs> you don't like it. It's Not awful. Yeah. Not when his other theme is as iconic as a ripoff of Nirvana, you know. It smells like Teen Spirit, like ripoff. That's yeah, great. I'm it's phenomenal. You. Everyone knows it. Then you got, yo, it's me, it's me, it's D D P. It's just, it's stupid, man. That's one of my least favorite Jim Johnson themes of all time. I'm with you. So, uh, anyway, but he yeah, he comes out through the crowd and he's in his black raincoat and black attire and, I mean, he's just looking black, man. He's just black everywhere. Man in black. <laughs> exactly. So again, hitting the diamond cutter sign and. People kind of pop for it, but they're like, I'm supposed to hate you because you're stalking Taker, so I don't know, man. And he's going to grab a, a, a microphone from Howard Finkel to address The Undertaker. I don't really get why you're so ticked off last week. You know, the stuff I showed was just the PG stuff. You know, I have the personal collection, and it gets more than just a thumbs up, which, ooh. <laughs> That's just, this is before Bluetooth was a thing. So, anyways, he's like, you know. <laughs> I see it as, you know, I'm coming into your house and kicking uh, your butt all over this yard. And he said, tomorrow on Raw, DDP will be the first WCW superstar to ever step foot into Madison Square Garden. So he shows his front row ticket and reveals that a sign that he's going to be holding that says, Make me famous. And it's got an arrow pointing down to him. So no subtlety there. Not at all, man. But uh, we're going to revisit him as the show continues on. Paul Heyman goes over to interview DDP, and uh, DDP talks about he's the only one that's got the balls to come after Undertaker. But as he's talking, we see another different type of stalker video pop up on the screen, and this time it's some stalker footage of DDP himself. We see him ordering a meal, uh, sitting down at the hotel uh, or restaurant somewhere, eating food, and DDP is not happy about this. He no. does not hold this, find this amusing, and is getting very irritated at Undertaker turning the tables on him. Yeah, he's like, you know, he's not excited about it, but he's, you know, tells Taker to come out and make him famous if that's what he wants to do. So um, <clears throat> later on, we get the Dudleys retaining their tag titles against Spike Dudley and Kane. So. Weird. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense, but anyway, we're uh, treated to DDP again in the front row, and we see more footage of him being filmed now as he's, we see him walking to his car, and 
at this point, DDP is like, you know, I'm getting really, really irritated by this. You know, I'm right here. I'm right here, Taker. So he's getting more and more uh, impatient and angry. Uh, and one more just note here I want to just say is that X Factor's music is in fully intact here on King of the Ring. So you're welcome. Check it out. <sighs> Another thing to hate about this episode. <sighs> I got everything I ever wanted. Oh, nope, I'm going to hang up. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we cut back to seeing DDP out in the crowd. He's he's getting frustrated. He's ready to fight Undertaker. He didn't know what's taking so long. Uh, and Undertaker plays more mind games with him. He's got video footage of DDP arriving to the arena, uh, stalking him, turning the tables on him. Uh, DDP is screaming out, you're not getting to me, you're not getting to me. But obviously he is. And uh, right. DDP finally hops the guardrail, jumps into the ring, demands that Undertaker make his way out. But we're going to see more footage of DDP backstage. And then the camera holder turns the camera around. And it's not Undertaker doing the filming here. It's Sarah. That's right. It's me, Sarah. And now, DDP, it's time for you to become famous. I will say, that did get a nice little pop from the crowd, uh, as she says that, because I think it's because they know Undertaker's about to come out here and deliver, uh, <clears throat> deliver yeah. a little mud hole stomping. I was going to say, that comment gets a pop, but when she initially turns into reveal it as her, there was, I didn't hear anything, man. Like, yes. the, the, the reveal of it being her, like, right. I don't know if it's because fans knew it was her, but yeah, when she says, you know, it's time for you to become famous, then they pop, like you said, because they know... They know Limp Biscuit's coming, man. <laughs> they know Limp Biscuit's coming. Fred Durst's going to come busting to the PA, and then old Big Daddy Deadman's coming down to uh, collect. Well, somebody so. in the crowd knew it was coming. They had a good uh, Keep On Rollin' sign in the crowd. There you go. <laughs> they keep Rollin', Rollin', Rollin'. <laughs> R-O-L-L-E-N. So many misspellings, man. It's, <laughs> it's great. So, <clears throat> yeah, man, Taker's music hits, and he just kind of strolls out casually, you know? And it, it wound up making sense, but I just initially my notes I wrote, you know, you think he'd be running to the ring, just bum rushing it. But honestly, I kind of like the way he did this. Oh, yeah. He's stalking his prey, dude. I, I yeah. really like this. Yeah, I did, man. It's it's cool. And so, you know, uh, and DDP, I, I love that he's a stalker and he's, he's got elbow pads on. <laughs> yeah, talk about that. Yeah. He takes his he's trench coat off and... <laughs> He's got his elbow pads on. His wrestling gear on. But um, it's cool because Taker just kind of walks out there and he's just kind of you know, shaking his head and he pulls his UFC gloves you know, out of his pocket and kind of puts them on, takes his sweet time. And yeah, commentary. that was really cool. Yeah, it really is, man. Like you said, stalking his prey. I didn't even like really think about that you know but he's kind of become a stalker now and it's just really uh, really neat because commentary is you know, talking about him you know, playing mind games with DDP, you know, uh, again, you think he just, if it was Steve Austin, Austin would have rushed the ring, but Taker's a little more mm-hmm. methodical. So it really did play into well, so play into it well, but pretty cool stuff. He, um, Undertaker that is, is, well, let's start again. Uh, DDP actually though is going to finally get frustrated. He's going to strike first as, uh, yeah. these two guys, Two stalwarts of their company, man. Uh, mm-hmm. Two of the biggest stars, homegrown stars of their respective companies, go face to face, man. It is kind of a cool visual. Kind of the first uh, time we've seen two guys 
from WCW and WWF really fight here. Uh, they trade fist, but Undertaker quickly takes over with some ground and pound, and yeah. he is going to dominate this encounter pretty much. Uh, DDP does get a little Death Valley blow to create some space between them, and is able to nail a few right hands, but Taker fights right back up and eventually tosses uh, uh, DDP out of the ring. Yeah, and it's they're they're out of the ring and they're they're fighting. It's just a big brawl. It's and Sarah comes down to the ring at this point with a camcorder and she's uh she's got some jeans that would make Garth Brooks happy. Man, it's got this American flag like emblazoned on them, and they're just they're no they're no. Uh, <laughs> Survivor Series 2000 uh, snakeskin pants, but they are some Garth Brooks pants, man. But uh, basically, I just wrote, man, Taker is squashing DDP, thus kind of eliminating any kind of official match they'd ever need to have. I mean, he is ruining him, and the crowd is getting tired of it already. Don't don't you think? Like They're just kind of already like, okay. 100%, <laughs> man. They, they're not... Treated as equals, in right. which is what this needs to be to work. To be this, uh, if Paul Heyman's saying that this is the first official, you know, battle between that these two companies, the first strikes between these two companies, wouldn't you want two guys that are equal? But no, it's this, you know, slow picking apart of Diamond Dallas Page, which I understand from Undertaker needing to get revenge or whatever, but it doesn't need to be the first thing that happens exactly. between him where he extracts all of his revenge pretty much right here in this moment. Well, because when you're building a hill in a babyface feud, you get heat, you get the hill gets heat, gets heat, gets heat. Well, the stalker stuff wasn't heat because we didn't know it was DDP until last week. Yep. So he needs to get his heat here, you know, and then – Taker gets the big win, you know, his WrestleMania moment or whatever. You know, you get the big win back and you go send the fans home happy. But take DDP had one week to get his heat, and then that's it. Like, once we finally knew it was him. And I just – all of his heat is gone. And he tries to get some back. He hits some chair shots, and then Taker spears him over the announce table and beats him up some more. And then some more. Then some more. <laughs> He does a little bit more. And then in a funny moment, though, DDP calls for a timeout, which is kind of neat. <laughs> it's kind of a little Ric Flair move. Yeah, I always so. enjoy that. Uh, they get a chair involved, you know. Um, they go fighting all around the, the announce table. They fight into the crowd. And it just goes on and on and on, like you said, way too long. It could have been cut in half or even down to one-third of the length that it was. And oh, yeah. Had some officials pulling it apart or had, I don't know, had some more WCW guys. WCW, yeah. Like we said, that would have actually been worked if Canyon and Bam Bam had come out or, or you know, I guess Bam yeah. Bam wasn't involved. I wish he was involved in the invasion. Yeah. But, uh, you know, any two WCW guys or uh, having Kane get involved, having anything happen, but... Um, DDP escapes to higher ground. He runs over the guard rail, uh, guard rail and runs away. I love the uh, guard rail. <laughs> and uh, Undertaker and Sarah stand tall as JR says on commentary that, oh man, this is just getting started between these two. And I just thought, really? Because that looked like a pretty decisive end to whatever's going yeah. on here, man. Looked like Taker got uh, as much revenge as he needed right there. But. Unfortunately, he was right, and it was really just getting started between these two. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, it's like it's the saying, you know, sorry to be a dead horse. It should be like now, it's sorry to be DDP, because it just kept, it's kept going on and on. I mean, the point was made. 
really quickly. Yep. And then the, the point was made again, and then the point was made again, and again, and again. It's just, it's too much, man. Just too much. Yeah, I guess but. by not having an official match, they were trying to protect DDP in a sense, but this, that didn't work, man. You, know, you, you pretty much killed him right out the gate. Yeah. And he was never, I mean, he was never the same. He was never, no. his WWF career right here was pretty much ended in this moment. Yeah, it began and ended right mm-hmm. here. I mean, he had a WrestleMania match the next year, but that's it. Yeah, honestly. for the European title. Against Christian, yeah. <laughs> All right, folks, that's going to do it for this first chunk of our show. But before we dive into the real invasion stuff right here in the second half of the show, I want to encourage you to take a pause, maybe grab a drink or something if you need a break from this show or if you're just looking for even more great content, much down the same line of what we're doing here on Talking Taker. I want to encourage you guys to check out our brother show, The Bottom Line Wrestling Cast. Hey there, creatures of the night. I'm Mike Pru, along with my pal JV. We are from the Bottom Line Wrestling Cast. I'm sure you guys are enjoying Alex and Travis dig up the dead man's past every week here on Talking Taker. If you like this type of format, you may want to check us out. We are the Bottom Line Wrestling Cast, the career of Stone Cold Steve Austin. We're breaking down his career month by month, just like Travis and Alex do here on Talking Taker. We have covered from his debut in January of 1996 as the ringmaster, and we are currently heading into 1998. So please take a chance and listen to the Bottom Line Wrestling Cast. We are available on most platforms, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean. We are also on Twitter, at Bottom Line Cast. Thanks, Creatures of the Night. Especially thanks to your gracious hosts, Alex and Travis. Take her easy. Well, that's going to take us into the next night on Raw, on six, uh, Raw 422 on June 25th, uh, 01. And so, apparently... We're, it's announced right from the get-go of the show, we're getting the Brothers of Destruction versus Dudley Boys for the WWF Tag Team Titles tonight in MSG. So somewhere along the line, the Dudleys have won the titles from Benoit and Jericho. Um, I don't remember when that happened. But anyway, this is, again, this is it. they're at Madison Square Garden, so this is WWF's home. So you know that this invasion thing is going to happen. And, you know, DDP already said he's going to be the first one to step foot in MSG, but we'll see who it actually is. So, the hallowed grounds of MSG, Mike Awesome <laughs> is going to be the first one to appear, and he actually wins the hardcore title from Powerbombing Rhino on a ladder, and I'll just, again, as I mentioned earlier, I will never ever forget that moment. I'll never forget seeing that. I was, still am, a huge Mike Awesome fan. Yeah. Uh, we both were. Uh, we both really were. I mean, he just, he... That guy could do stuff that he shouldn't have been able to do, and he was just incredible. I loved his WCW stuff. I was mad when he was the fat chick thriller and that 70s guy and all that stuff, but whatever. It was just, I don't know. He just he, never got the shot in the big leagues like he should have. Uh, he had a um, long run on top in my uh, SmackDown uh, video game federation, yes. man. He was world champion for a long time. and. Yeah, we uh, we marked out to see him uh, become the first WCW guy to yeah. win a title here in the WWF. And that was huge. Yeah. And I will never understand why he didn't quite click uh, in the WWF, man. It seemed like he mm. had it all. But, uh, yeah, it's a shame. God rest his soul, man. Yeah. It's a shame that he's he didn't and you got guys like, I don't know, Baron Corbin. <laughs> Lars sure. Sullivan, yeah, going getting promoted. So, anyway, but um, later on, Sarah comes out with Taker for his tag match, and I just wrote this bizarre to see because I didn't know that she'd come out with him on SmackDown before. So, 
It's just, again, it's just weird to see her coming out with him. Uh, but um, it's a decent back and forth match with the Dudleys, and then Albert's going to interfere um, because, yeah, just because. <laughs> so Albert's going to interfere. Well, maybe because he was backing up Kurt Angle a few weeks ago. I don't know. But anyway, he hits a Baldo bomb on Kane, and then Devon covers Kane for the win. And then after that, Taker just turns around, chokeslams Bubba to a huge pop from the MSG crowd, and then Sarah's in the ring applauding Taker, and they go to go up the ramp. And do the arm, and they both do the uh, arm raise pose. So mm. that sucks. Mm. <laughs> Sorry, hashtag blame Sarah. Um, they go to do that, and DDP comes from behind and uh, nails Taker with a chair, and then Sarah gets in his face and is like putting her dukes up, man, like getting ready to brawl with him. So, uh, <sighs> yep, 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 yep. And then DDP grabs her by the hair and rips out a huge chunk of a weave. And it was just so much weave, dude. And, like, I just wrote again, if this is legit, and we're supposed to believe that the, the amount of hair he pulled out, she would need to go to the doctor immediately. Like, she'd have been bleeding profusely. <laughs> he pulls out, like, a four-foot-long thing of hair. Like, it wasn't just, like, Mick Foley pulling his own hair. It was yeah. a huge weave. Um, uh, so then later on, during the break, Taker consoles her. And, again, that's just also weird to see him consoling, you know, anybody so i don't know because this is the guy that levitates and murders to this night on on stage you know so now he's consoling his wife so yeah it's strange that's one of the other flaws with this whole thing we're, we're trying to trying to come up with all of them here but just the fact that sarah was portrayed as this you know tough person who's ready to fight these guys yeah she's ready to fight ddp and you know it'd be one thing if she was you know, have the presence of like China, which she doesn't. Sure. She doesn't, you know, stand out like that. And she's not established as a wrestler. Like, I don't know, like Trish Stratus or Lita or something. Like, it'd be one thing if they were bowing up and ready to fight a guy like DDP. Exactly. But we don't need, who is Sarah? Why, why is she so fearless and ready to fight these guys? And I think that's why it puts such a, one of the reasons why it puts such a sour taste in people's mouths is that she was being forced uh, on screen, and, and she's being given a bigger push than half the guys on the roster in this moment. <laughs> exactly. <sighs> well, ugh, it's crazy, man. And speaking of guys on the roster, I want to just take a little a little detour real quick, if mm-hmm. we may. I'd like to talk about something that happens right before the SmackDown <clears throat> you're about to talk about. So, um, in the in between this Raw and SmackDown, they're going to air. I guess this may have happened. I guess SmackDown's already filmed, but anyway. Um, down in Ohio Valley Wrestling in OVW in Louisville, Kentucky, there's a show called OVW Last Dance. Um, it's either June 27th or 28th. Um, I've seen both dates online. I don't know which one is actually correct. But anyway, we see the Brothers of Destruction <clears throat> tag in the main event against DDP and Leviathan. How about who, it? Exactly. Those of you who don't know who Leviathan was, that's the future Batista. So what was this? It was like the creature from the deep or something, the Leviathan. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <clears throat> but anyway, uh, the Brothers of Destruction win by DQ. And um, I just want to list, if I may, a few other guys that were also on this show. This is apparently like their, like their WrestleMania down at OVW. So we got Doug and Danny Basham. Rock, yep. <laughs> Yikes. Which no, no I know to us, no thanks. <laughs> but in OVW, they were like the top dogs. So oh, they were. But yeah, um, yeah, right. we got Rob Conway. Love him. 
We got Sylvester Turkay or Turkay, whatever. Yeah, yikes again. Brock Lesnar. <laughs> there we go. Randy Orton. Rico Constantino. Okay. Love him. <laughs> Malenko and Saturn tag match. Uh, Mark Henry is also there. Big Show is also on the card. The Prototype, which, again, those of you not paying attention, that's the future John Cena. Um, Nick Dinsmore, which is would ultimately play Eugene. <laughs> uh, beautiful Bobby Eaton, in a, in a, who we covered last week on this episode. We did, a little show. bit, yeah. And then Chris Jericho. So that's – what a crazy card that was, man. How cool would that have been? Yeah, really cool, man. But, again, I wouldn't have thought that DDP and Batista ever had a tag match against the – Kane and Undertaker, but pretty cool there. So anyway, I just wanted to mention that. So. It is actually available on the WWE Network over in the Hidden Gems section. You can find that match. It's it's listed as June thirtieth, two thousand one. Okay. On the well, network, maybe but, yeah, somewhere around then. Uh, yeah, so, I found a bunch of dates, and you know, uh, whatever. Who knows when it actually was? It, one of them could have been when it was filmed. One could have been when it aired. I don't really know. So yeah. Uh, well, I've got you know. Maybe someday down the line, I, I wouldn't mind doing a special episode just talking about some of Undertaker's hidden gems that they yeah. have on the network. I think that'd be a fun bonus show to do to review some of those because he's got got a few other cool ones on there. So we might oh, have sure. to talk about that match at a later date, review something like that. We'll talk about it, but cool uh, to note it here on the timeline. Uh, but on TV, on uh, national TV, SmackDown June 28th, 2001, this is going to be uh, Vince McMahon opening the show, and they're still in Madison Square Garden. Uh, so I guess they did, you know, back-to-back or, you know, whatever. I don't know how they did it, but sort of similar to how they do now a lot of times in the major shows, back-to-back mm. here. Um, and Vince is going to open the show to say that MSG, it stinks now. It stinks from the foul odor of WCW because on Monday night, <laughs> WCW stars like Mike Awesome, DDP, and Booker T invaded this hallowed ground, and now MSG might as well be the Nassau Coliseum, which gets a lot of booze from the crowd. Um, <laughs> and Vince challenges some more WCW stars that tells them they might as well show up tonight so that they can get their butts kicked. So really this invasion storyline is kicking into full gear here as Linda McMahon shows up. And uh, I'm going to try to blow through some of this stuff because uh, there's a ton of it. But she's there to say, uh, basically to dare Vince into um, al- uh, allowing WCW matches to be a part of Raw and SmackDown. Vince says that's the most ridiculous idea he's ever heard. And he says, hell no, he will never allow something like that to happen. <laughs> and here you can already see problems with all this because the crowd pops at that. Right. Crowd pops at the fact that he doesn't want WCW wrestlers coming in here. Uh, although at this they're point, in New York. They are. <laughs> but at this point, Linda's the babyface and Shane's the babyface. Right. And WCW's kind of supposed to be the babyface here. Um, or I guess, I don't know. It's all very confusing. But anyway, Linda says, okay, if you don't want to do that, I've got a better idea. Uh, give these fans what they really want to see. The ultimate competition between WCW and WWF. Let's turn the fully loaded pay-per-view into an invasion. And to this idea, Vince says you're on. And he's going to drive the WCW stars right out of business. So, the seeds are planted for the invasion pay-per-view right there. Um, Stone Cold eventually is going to convince Vince to allow WCW matches to happen on WWF TV. He whispers something in his ear 
Um, I get they never quite reveal it, but I guess it's going to be. Of course not. Yeah, if they allow them into the building, they can beat them up. I guess this, right. that's the implication here. But that's what's going to lead to the infamous main event that you're going to talk about on Raw on the next episode of Raw. Uh, we get a recap of what happened on Monday with DDP putting his hands on Sarah and pulling out the weave. And JR has a sit-down interview with Undertaker and Sarah. And Taker here, he looks like he would rather be anywhere else in the world. Man, he is just <laughs> peeved about being there. And he actually doesn't do any talking here. Sarah does all the talking. Oh, uh, yeah. suck. She says she didn't ask for any of this, and Mark didn't ask for any of this. So we're back yeah. to that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Paige changed all that. Sarah talks about she's not afraid to fight, and she might not be the be- biggest dog in the yard. But if you mess with her family, you will get the baddest. Well, you know what? Yeah. And uh, she she actually does have a good closing line. I like this because she says, As far as Diamond Dallas Page is concerned, he should be careful what he wishes for. Because everybody's more famous when they're dead. So Yeah, that's a pretty good line. line. Yeah. And uh, Taker asks JR if they're done here. And JR's like, okay. And Taker storms <laughs> off. So, Perfect. He, he doesn't want to talk about any of this. Um, later on, we get the infamous match between Kane and Albert, where Kane hits the Hurricane Rana. Yes, sir, um, man. Uh, but DDP actually runs interference here, hits a diamond cutter out of nowhere, since it's a no DQ match, nice. and allows Albert to get the pin and win the Intercontinental title. Thanks, uh, DDP, for yeah. that. <laughs> blame DDP for that one. <laughs> Hashtag blame DDP. Uh, so <sighs> Vince and Austin and Angle are sitting around in the locker room uh, talking about everything that's happened that night. And uh, Kurt Angle reminds them of the old classic expression, you know, where there's DDP, there's bound to be Booker T. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Vince says, that's an old expression? And Kurt just pauses and is like, no, I, I just made it up. He's all ashamed. <laughs> The way he sells it is so good. I know. He's so amazing. It's, a, it's what they always it's, say. It's hard to believe he never had any like stage acting or like improv. I know. know he's improv, a natural at like, that, too. Not yeah, just at wrestling, natural. but at that. I know. <sighs> um, two of our late era WCW favorites, Chuck Palumbo and Sean O'Hare, make their debuts here. Golly. Uh, interfering Love in it. the Dudleys and Hardy's <laughs> tables match. But they, much like DDP, are going to get annihilated. Uh, the uh, WWF job squad shows up and sends them fleeing into the crowd. Uh, and then uh, another cavalry arrives, or cavalry, excuse me. Uh, yes, you're excused. <laughs> they come in from into the crowd and beat them up, and uh, the crowd eats it up, man. They love seeing these WCW guys get destroyed here, uh, which bodes ominously for, again, the main event coming up on Raw. Right. Uh, we get another WCW debut as... Um, Vince McMahon finds out someone from WCW is here to see him, and Stone Cold and Kurt provide him backup, but it's it's really not necessary since it's actually just Tori Wilson showing up, making her debut, and whew, my goodness, man. Just Tori Wilson? Yeah, not just Tori Wilson, man. <laughs> I mean, you know, Tori Wilson. And uh, again, the interactions with Kurt and Austin and Vince are incredible, and they're like trying to hug Vince and yeah. make sure they keep his attention, <laughs> even though she wants some private time with Vince. Oh, oh they're <sighs> so good. And then uh, I'm talking about all this because this is, you know, getting into the stuff Undertaker is going to be involved in uh, yes. in this invasion main event. But uh, Stone Cold is going to give Booker T to the count of 10 to arrive to the building to end the night. 
and Booker T doesn't show up. Uh, so instead, Taz jumps in the ring because uh, something Ooh. we didn't mention a couple weeks ago is Stone Cold beat up Michael Cole to get some more heat. And uh, Stone Why? Cold... He's guess he got a face pop. <laughs> he should have. <laughs> Stone Cold says, uh, "Well, unless Booker T got real short and real fat real fast, you ain't Booker T." <laughs> Uh, and Taz bows up to Stone Cold. He's ready to fight him. And then Austin, of course, lays a beating on Taz. Uh, Stone Cold taunts Michael Cole some more. But Booker T uh, runs into the arena and nails Stone Cold with the big gold belt yet again. Uh, but the job squad quickly runs Booker T out of the building, uh, even though they aren't able to get his hands on him. And uh, Booker and Shane ride off in Shane's limo quickly out of the arena as the battle lines continue to be drawn between WWF and WCW. <clears throat> Ooh, man, it's getting hot. It's getting, it's getting. Uh, I don't know, man. The stew, the stew's <laughs> a brewing, man. The stew's a brewing. So that'll take us to Raw 423, man. This is on July 2nd, 2001. So a lot has been said about this episode of Raw as. This is the quote-unquote debut of this new WCW in the main event. Again, Linda McMahon has, you know, talked to Vince, and the, or well, I guess Austin has talked to Vince into letting this happen. So, um, and I just, they're in Tacoma, Washington. If you're going to reboot WCW, you don't do it in Tacoma, Washington. <laughs> because do you know what town they were in literally one week later? Atlanta, Georgia. That's right. The home, the literal home of WCW. The literal backyard of WCW. They couldn't have waited one week to try this if they really wanted it to to, to, to work. And I know Bruce Pritchard has defended it. And he's full of crap. I don't care. It's almost they did... as if they didn't want WCW to succeed. Hmm. <laughs> How about that? Kind of like when you bring back ECW on sci-fi and you have a zombie on it. So. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway, uh, it's just like this is the debut of, 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 of that night, you know, and it's just, um, I don't know. It's crazy. It, and to me, it just seemed doomed from the beginning because, again, Dakers dismantled DDP already. They didn't bring any, they didn't bring any huge, like, household names over because those guys just sat at home and collected a paycheck. I don't blame them. I'm not blaming Nash, Hall, Sting, Goldberg, Flair, any of those guys. But But it's so silly. Like, you've got... This is supposed to be an invasion. Exactly. And we're letting them come on TV. Exactly. We're making it about the McMahon family struggle, for one thing. Of course. That all this happens because of Vince and Linda, not because of the WCW guys, like, forcing their way onto TV. And the WCW guys are wrestling each other. Like... (laughs) Yes. What do, do you remember? Like, do you remember when Hall and Nash fought each other in the main event of Nitro? Like when the NWO debuted? No, because no. that was stupid. Because they were on the same team. Why are they fighting each other? We don't want to uh, see that. We want to see WCW versus WWF, and we did want to see it. Everyone wanted to see those two companies fight each other. Bruce Prichard acts like, oh, nobody, nobody cared about WCW. Nobody was watching them towards the end. Whatever, man. There's Everyone wanted had... to see that. And maybe they didn't want to see these particular guys, some of them. And that's going to be another problem we can talk about later on. But don't act like people didn't want to see WCW versus WWF because they did. Right. But they didn't want to see exactly. a WCW main event on Raw because that's idiotic. 
<laughs> I could not have said it better myself. So. That was perfect, man. It's yeah, that's that sums it up right there, man. You know, we didn't want to see two different brands. We wanted to see them versus each other. It's what I've been waiting and dying to see since I was a, you know, since we were kids. You know, we heard yeah. about all this stuff. So uh, anyway, um, well, I'm kind of glad they didn't do this in Atlanta in hindsight because <laughs> we'll get to that. Uh, we'll get to that shortly here. But anyway. Again, Vince is out talking about the, the Invasion pay-per-view, and Shane comes out and invites Vince to put his best guys on one side of the ring, and I'll put my best guys, and we'll go at it at the first ever inaugural brawl. And I have an issue with this anyway. It's called the first ever inaugural brawl. So inaugural <laughs> means the first time they're going to fight, and then literally we're going to see them have matches the next two weeks before we get to the pay-per-view. Yep. So inaugural brawl, my behind. So that's how I feel. It's just all snake bit from the get go, man. So, um, but then Taker's gonna ride out with Sarah, um, riding behind him, and he's gonna he's got an Intercontinental Title match against Albert, um, based on what happened in SmackDown last week. So Taker gives Albert kind of a lot of off. He, he kind of he was lets getting him, a push here, man. No doubt about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Old old Baldo's getting a push here, and he he's getting. A lot of offense on Taker here. But then DDP runs out and hits uh, Taker with a chair, which causes a DQ. And then he hits a diamond cutter on Taker, which I'll, I'll say that was pretty cool to see. Yeah. You know, him get his, his move because that was a very protective move um, in WCW. Um, and uh, he then kind of gives Sarah the you know, stink eye and walks away. And then she charges him from behind and pushes him. And then she goes to like swing at him and Kane walks behind DDP and starts beating him up. And then Sarah gets a huge kick in the uh, death, excuse me, in the Death Valley spot <laughs> on the DDP. Sorry, I thought she just kicked me a second ago. But um, anyway, he then gets tossed in the ring and Taker punches him until Albert comes in and, and is his knight in shining armor. And then Kane comes in and they both beat him up as DDP kind of saunters away like a you know thief in the night, just kind of escapes. So there's just the continual burial of DDP. So why is Albert saving DDP? Well, I guess because he gave him his Intercontinental title last week. Yeah, but he's a WCW guy. I know. I know. I know. I know. I get it. It doesn't. I don't get it, but I get it. And here's the Uh, problem summed up here on SmackDown on July 5th, 2001, man. All summed up in the first five minutes of this show. Because uh, the ending of the Raw you just talked about is not the WCW stuff, but it's actually Vince's. Vince getting caught with his pants down, trying to literally get busy with Tori Wilson. Yes, literally. Um, and that's how the episode of SmackDown opens, is we get a five-minute video recap of all of Vince's failed flirtations with Tori Wilson from Monday night. And it's got comedic music playing in the background. And that's the main storyline that we're supposed to be talking about. Not the invasion of the company by their greatest rival. Not the historic first matchup of WCW wrestlers on WWF TV from Monday night, Vince being caught with his pants down, and Kurt Angle and Steve Austin, the comedians. That's the right. main stuff happening, not the invasion. Like They already have hit the panic button after one match on TV. And Thanks, Buff. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> yeah, because what I failed to mention at the end of that episode of Raw where, where Nitro takes or who takes over is it's Buff and DDP or Buff and Booker T and Buff stinks out the joint and then at the very end I think it's uh, 
Kurt Angle and Austin throw them both out of the arena and kind of just put the kibosh on the invasion right there. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if they just cut, cut it right then. Yeah. So, well, they but, it seemed like they were about to because now, it's yeah. all, I mean, it's all about all about Vince and Linda. That's the yep. main storyline, not WCW versus WWF. It's about Vince versus Linda. So we see Stone Cold um, and and uh, Deborah trying to console Vince McMahon in his best uh, Hawaiian shirt, casual wear. <laughs> it's yes. so funny to see him in these yes. casual outfits, dude. Uh, but they're not talking about the WCW Invaders. You know, they're talking about Tori Wilson and his wife. So this is where, of course, Stone Cold has a present to cheer up Vincent Man and gives him a genuine cowboy hat. Oh! And then Kurt Angle busts in, and Stone Cold gives him his own little tiny hat and <laughs> little tiny hat. It's a hilarious moment, out of context, oh. but with. <laughs> So good. With everything going on with WCW, like I can't believe this is what Vince and Austin are doing. Like I know. You're right, you're right. You're supposed to be this serious, the most serious threat to his company happening, and this is what he's focused on. Um finally, 30 minutes into the show, the announcers actually talk about uh the events from Monday night, and they haven't referenced it at all up until then. Perfect. But um so that happens. Booker T arrives to the arena because he's going to be um, facing off with DDP in the main event of this episode of SmackDown for the WCW title. Um, and then uh, Vince gets served with a summons to be in court on July 23rd for what's supposed to be a settlement with Linda. And that's going to get dropped here in a few weeks, but apparently that was supposed to be the setup for Vince and Linda splitting the company in half and WCW getting one of the two shows, Raw or SmackDown. Uh, right. That's, plans are going to change. Uh, with that, but that was supposed to be teasing that. Um, we get the first WCW match ever on SmackDown, which is a Cruiserweight Championship match with Billy Kidman and Gregory Helms. Yes, it was. I'll and never forget that match, too. <laughs> I won't either, and uh, the crowd probably did, because they sent these guys out there to die, though. Like, mm-hmm. Again, I-, I will say, you know, to Bruce Pritchard's point, as far as WWF audience goes, a lot of people didn't know who these guys were. They didn't know right. who Billy Kidman and Gregory Helms were. And they, they these guys don't get any promo time, no introduction to them. We don't find out anything about their characters. They're just two jamokes that get sent out there to have a cruiserweight match. And uh it you know, they kinda get over towards the end of it, but it's tough, man. Like they don't get yeah. any of these WCW guys outside of the top guys' characters. And on commentary, the announcers, Scott Hudson and Arn Anderson Spend the whole time talking about how wonderful Linda McMahon is and praising her for allowing them to compete. And it's supposed to be an invasion. And what, the, yeah. what does that have to do with an invasion? Why are you allow, being Cordial. allowed to yeah, compete? Exactly. Oh, you just had two of your guys. Uh, oh, yeah. After the match is over, Kidman wins the title, and the announcers say, Oh, the invasion is on. WCW is on a heck of a roll here. And I'm just shaking my head saying, you guys just had two of your own guys wrestle against each other. And then <laughs> on Monday night, you had your two main eventers destroyed, kicked out of the building. How is WCW on a roll here? Right. They have done nothing. Oh, man. It doesn't make any sense. It's it's going to turn a corner here in a minute when we get to Raw. But briefly, right. This, very this briefly. stuff. Yeah, 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 but there's some there's some silver lining there. But yeah, you're right. This stuff is just like holy crap. 
what was happening here? Well, it gets even worse here. Vince comes out to cut a promo in the middle of the show as if we haven't had enough of him. He's <laughs> trying to explain what happened on Monday. He says, I may have had lust in my heart and I may have been tempted by Tori Wilson's moist lips. But mm, I... <laughs> whoops. I never would have gone that far with her. I, I was merely testing her loyalty to the WWF. And Vince gets down on his knees. He apologizes to Linda. He's wailing. He apologizes for even being born. He doesn't want Linda to take half his company away from him. And Regal and Tajiri come out. They tell Vince to get a hold of himself. It's not all his fault. Uh, trying to pump him back up. And that gets Kurt and Steve all upset and jealous in the back. They're supposed to be Vince's best friends. And then Vince stands up and he goes back to Vince mode, man. He starts gloating, bragging about how incredible and how well endowed he is and just heals on the entire crowd here. And I have I have no idea what's going on. I have no idea what any of this has to do with the invasion. I don't know who I'm supposed to be cheering because Vince right. is obviously a heel, but the WWF is supposed to be a babyface, but the WWF champion's a heel. And Booker T's a babyface, but WCW's a heel, but Shane McMahon's a babyface, and Linda McMahon's a babyface, but DDP's a heel. <laughs> not, not this makes any sense. I don't know if I'm going to make it, man. I don't know if I can make it in this episode, man. I'm losing it here. I can't, I can't pull any of this stuff out of my butt and make it make sense either, man. That's it's all they so were doing. confusing. It's so confusing. They should have been all baby faces or WCW side or all heels, you know, just not, not facing each other. We don't need to see them facing each other on TV. Face the WWF. Invade them. Ruin every match they have. Ruin every main event. And just sabotage the whole show. Do what the Nexus did a few years later. Do what the you know? NWO did, man. Oh, just, yeah. Like, <laughs> let, the, let some – because I – you know, I hated the NWO when they first came, but a lot of people loved them. They were the cool heels. And, yeah. you know, I was WCW all the way. And for it took me like a year to get on board with the NWO thinking they were cool. Like, you could have done that. Just follow that template with the WCW invasion. Let them just be themselves. And some people will cheer them, and but most people, you know, will be WWF for life. But Yeah. Let's talk about Undertaker again here as uh, uh, DDP is going to face Booker T in the main event. Uh, DDP cuts a promo beforehand. Uh, uh, he asks uh, the referee backstage if uh, he's seen Undertaker here tonight because uh, he knows the diamond cutter is sharper than ever and he'd love to cut Undertaker's head off with it. <laughs> and um, Yikes. You know, DDP and Booker T, they have a much better match than uh, Booker T and Buff had. But again, what's the end goal of this supposed to be? You right. Your top two WCW guys fighting against each other. Man, silliness. Um, and DDP's about to hit Booker T with a chair, but Undertaker comes barreling out, uh, allowing Booker T to get a roll-up for the win. And Taker chases DDP to the back. Uh, that leaves Booker T vulnerable to get attacked by Kurt Angle. Uh, but Booker T gets the upper hand, man. He nails a scissor kick and knocks Angle out with the big gold belt. Uh, DDP lures Undertaker into the parking lot where he gets surrounded by the WCW invaders. And DDP gets in a few shots here. Uh, the, the WCW guys beat down uh, Undertaker and DDP gets in the final shots. But here's where it gets really weird. Uh, Shane pulls DDP off of Undertaker screaming, that's enough, that's enough. And then DDP 
starts beating up Shane. And then Booker T makes a save for Shane. And then Mike Awesome tells Booker T, this doesn't concern you, and gives uh, Booker T a shove. And then all the WCW guys start beating up Booker T. And all of a sudden, a week into this invasion, the WCW guys have already turned on each other. Right. And uh, we're going to see that this is all, you know, spoiler, this is all kind of a ruse here. Uh, but it's still, it's part of a plan, but it's a silly plan. I still. I don't know why well, this was the best plan to, uh, to 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 do things, but it made absolutely no sense when you're just watching it just this on SmackDown because the WCW I, guys stand tall over the Undertaker and the WCW champion and owner. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I I don't think that this was going to be a ruse. Honestly, at this point, I think they I fully believe after this first week of the oh. you know WCW having their matches. That's when they decided to just they, say, they it. forget it, let's change it, and then we'll see what happens on the Raw that I'm about to talk about. Because wow. I really do think that this was supposed to lead somewhere else, and they just, I don't know, changed it all because it sucked. It didn't you make may it. be right. Yeah. <laughs> but even so, it's still stupid. I mean, I don't know. Even so. I mean, they, they, they pulled themselves out of it by showing that it's all a ruse eventually, but still, it's just, I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't, but. no. Yeah, but... You know, we've seen a lot of these crazy WCW debuts here on this show, but for us, dude, this next episode of Raw has perhaps the most important WWF television debut that we've ever covered on this show, man. Oh, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> Yours. Yeah, I know. <laughs> big, big star. Big star. Make my uh, national television debut on this next episode of Raw. This is Raw 424 on July 9th, 2001. And I need you to help me figure out why were you and I not there together. I, got I went with a buddy you, of mine. I went with a buddy, nine, buddy of mine named Chuck from church. And I, the only thing I can think of is, you know, we we didn't get to go to the Nitro and uh, Goldberg beat Hogan together. I didn't get to go. You didn't get to come to Nitro with me in 2000 because of grades or whatever that hogwash was <laughs> your dad made up. Right. But then this one, the only thing I can think of is that your parents didn't want you riding with a guy that you, you know, they, they wouldn't have known, you know. Because Chuck, well, Chuck was a couple years older than me, and he, he drove me there. So that's the only thing I can think of. Or, or I was or you were town, out of town. Or on, yeah. on vacation or something. Yeah. Because you guys were vacation. That was, that was probably it. So, yeah, we would go out of town during the summers. So, that yeah, I don't know, man. I, I, I It's a bummer for me, man, because you, you've got a pretty good streak of going to some pretty historic shows. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Yeah. You've, <laughs> had some, you've had some good luck. I have had some good, but unfortunately, they haven't ever been with you. I mean, we've we've, nah, we've had some we, great we ones together. Some, no, yeah. but I'm saying there, I've the, the ones I've had without you have been phenomenal yeah. ones too. But I wish we could do them together. But anyway, so yeah, man, this raw is right here in Phillips, uh, well, right where you are right now in Atlanta, Georgia, in Phillips Arena. And um, again, uh, it, it doesn't make sense why we weren't there together. But anyway, um, so the show's going to open up. We, we find out the Taker's supposed to have a handicap match against Mike Awesome and Lance Storm later because they left him laying earlier on SmackDown. So anyway, Shane comes out with a kendo stick for his street fight against DDP. And instead, Taker's music is going to hit and said DDP's. And Taker and Sarah come out to the ring, and Taker's like, Paige is mine. And then DDP comes out uh, with a chair to his music, and he keeps swinging it at Taker 
and eventually they they make it to the ring and again it's not really a match it's just like king of the ring where they're just kind of mm-hmm. fighting and taker's overpowering ddp and he goes for a choke slam and then suddenly shane attacks taker from behind with a kendo stick even though he saved him on smackdown yep and this is why i think they just just turned the other way after smackdown i just i just really think right. this so he Shane hits Taker from behind with the kendo stick and nails him over and over and over again until Taker finally fires back and then he like choke throws Shane Shane all the way across the ring and I remember being there in the audience and just being like blown away by how far <laughs> he threw Shane across the ring. Yeah. Um. So DDP comes in with some chair shots and we see that it was all set up on SmackDown again. Bull crap. I don't believe that for a second. I just I mean storyline wise it is, but I don't believe in real life that that was what they were doing. But anyway. Sarah gets in the ring and she nails Shane with a kendo stick and she is not protecting him at all with a shot. She is <laughs> wailing away on him. But then DDP gives her a diamond cutter and uh, Taker pushes him away and covers her up kind of. And so now we've officially made WCW the heels in this invasion, I'll say. Because Shane Shane's attacked Taker. They're all on the same side against Taker here. So I say they're officially the heels. Well, unless you're so. like us and can't stand Sarah. And then exactly. you're cheering. <laughs> and also, and, you're yeah. in Atlanta. And well, she was kind of asking for it, man. She, she was, was. She was assaulting Shane pretty bad. Dude. I know. He, he just had to yeah. save her. So I don't know. It's not like he just you know beat her up out of nowhere. She was being pretty violent. Right. So. Oh, yeah, sure. I mean, I would never advocate violence against a woman. Let me make no, that clear. No, no, but no, I'm just no. saying, storyline wise, wrestling, mm, you could kind of yeah. make a case. And oh yeah, Paul Heyman does uh, on commentary. Man, he's like, oh, she was in there. She was mixing it up. You shouldn't bring a woman into the ring. <laughs> he's he's great, man. She actually takes a really good diamond cutter bump. Did. So she did. she's yeah. <laughs> she's good at it. So then we see uh, Sarah getting stretchered on while Taker's really emotional. He's angry, and DDP actually steals Taker's motorcycle backstage and rides off, like, barely. He can barely get started, <laughs> but he rides off. And then Sarah's loaded into the ambulance, and Taker hops in, and he's like, you know, he vows to get revenge on DDP. And they actually say hospital instead of medical facility, so... Uh, which I thought was neat. I just made note of that because we've been talking about it here on Talking yeah, Taker. So, um, anyway, we get some epic, epic backstage stuff here with Angle, Austin, and Vince. This is where uh, you know Angle gives the badges to the sheriff badges, and yep. this is where Austin gets the badges. We don't need no stinking badges, and dude, we blew up in the audience that when he said oh, that, yeah. man. Good stuff. So next up is where I make my WWF television debut. Here, because my boy Rhino, his music hits, he comes out, and the Kevin Dunn decides to zoom in on a 15-year-old Travis White with his sign that said Rhino, and I am looking up uh, like I'm like an idiot, like just looking around. I didn't know I was on screen at the time, and my buddy Chuck was next to me, and we didn't know until uh, we kind of caught it for just a second um, on the Tron, uh, and then uh, I really found out when I got home, you know, and, and and found the news out when I watched it back. So, pretty cool, man. I'm pretty proud of that moment. So, <laughs> your three seconds of WWE glory exactly. right there, man. Exactly. Crystal clear uh, picture. We'll, we'll put the screenshot up on all oh, the yeah. social media oh. so everybody can see that historic moment of Travis on WWF television right there, man. Uh, Picture perfect, Rhino logo on the sign. Uh, what made you pick Rhino uh, for the sign you wanted to bring? 
Dude, who else is going to put a sign for me? I, I love that guy. <laughs> I love that guy. You could have done Mike just, Awesome. I know, man. I could have. I just, I don't know, man. You know, I was just a big rhino mark at the time. I just, mm-hmm. I just love that guy. And I just, I don't know. I think because, I don't know. Maybe I, maybe I, thought, I chose that because I didn't think there'd be a lot of other ones there. I thought maybe it'd give me a chance to be on there. The other side of that sign said, uh, Travis and Chuck on it and had an arrow pointing down. Nice. So I didn't that, know one, that. that one makes a brief glimpse on this, the screen later on, uh, but you can't see it like a full shot oh, of it. Okay. I just happen to know where it is. Um, you can't really tell what it says. But anyway, yeah, man, this is my debut, and we'll put that screenshot on, on our social media so you guys can check it out. So I just remember popping huge when I got home and seeing it. It was, it was awesome. Oh, yeah. So, anyway, um, Regal updates Kane that Sarah has just just has some neck trauma, and uh, uh, at the hospital. And Kane's like, you know, he offers to take to take Undertaker's spot in that match against uh, Mike Awesome and, and Lance Storm tonight. So, get another epic backstage skit where Angle and Austin Advance are comparing themselves to Gilligan's Island, and uh, they ask. <laughs> Kurt, Kurt, Kurt or Austin asked Vince, you ever seen Gilligan's Island? He goes, oh, it's before my time. Like, no, that's after your time is what you're supposed to say, not before your time. So anyway, but it's just, man, it's classic stuff. These guys are so great, man. They and are. just you can you can tell they're just making crap up too, man. I, I, I don't know. It's just it's hilarious. In the so, best way. Yeah. Oh, yeah, in the best way. Absolutely. Um, well, during this um you know austin says he's going to be excuse me vince announces that angle and austin are going to be on his team for the inaugural brawl and then he also adds taker as well he says you know taker's going to be on that as well and then y2j comes in jericho comes in and he offers his help on the team um later on the night angle's going to lose a WWE title match to booker t so that my friends is the inaugural brawl (laughs) Right there. Yep, the first ever match. Yep. <laughs> the first ever match on television between a WWF wrestler and a WCW wrestler was in Atlanta, Georgia. Yep. Weird. So Kane's then going to step in for the handicap match against Storm and Awesome, and then Y2J is going to come out to be his tag team partner and kind of prove his worth to Vince that he should be on team Team WWF. So uh, the end of the match is where things really start to get nuts. So those of you who don't remember this, buckle up. I remember, obviously, I was I was there. Tommy Dreamer and Rob Van Dam slide in the ring and just ruin the match. They start attacking, um, start attacking Kane and Chris Jericho, and it's just I just remember marking out like I don't know, man. It, it was just crazy because mm-hmm. at first we we couldn't tell who it was uh, at first, and we don't have commentary, you know, because we're live in the audience, so. They kind of got a close-up of him on the Tron, and we finally figured out who it was. I just remember going absolutely insane. But anyway, then you got Rhino comes out. The Dudleys come out. Justice Incredible comes out. Raven comes out. Taz comes out to make the save. Well, you think. Then they all turn around, and all ten of them, those guys, begin attacking Kane and Jericho. And I just, again, I can't begin to explain how surreal this was happening in front of my face live as a 15-year-old mark for all of these guys. Again, you and I have talked about we're just we're really big on those mid card, undercard guys that can actually go. You know, we love good wrestling, you know, and guys like Rhino and Raven and I mean Taz even. I just love that. And ECW was just I loved ECW. Man, and it and, was so unexpected. Exactly. To, this was this is the peak of the invasion, is this yes, segment this night. right here. Not I won't even say this night. I will say this segment because uh to me it goes downhill towards the end. But 
you know, this moment where ECW comes into play here and it's so out of nowhere, the reveal yep. of uh, the WWF guys are out there to make the save, but wait a minute, all of those guys also used to be in ECW. Exactly. It's just so perfectly done. It came so out of nowhere. Uh, and Paul Heyman gets in there and, and puts him over too. And yep. it almost single-handedly saves everything, if not for everything else that's going to happen. <laughs> oh well yeah he again to speed things up here Heyman kind of gets something from the audience and he's you know says that he's, this invasion guy take it to the extreme you know and he le- he offers um excuse me he extends the uh challenge to um to Vince and Shane to find you know 10 guys and they'll match up tonight against uh find five guys apiece and those 10 guys will match up against his 10 guys for one match only and again the crowd pops huge because we were super stoked for this we're gonna get ECW versus WWF all in the same ring in the same night in freaking Atlanta Georgia yeah and it's kidding me (laughs) that it's all such a so much has happened on this one episode of Raw, like yeah. unannounced and out of nowhere and unadvertised. Yeah. They're just blowing through the storyline because they've, they've hit the panic button. All because yep. of that Booker T-Buff Bagwell match. They've already yeah. hit the panic button and are trying yep. to to totally totally do something different here. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. And it's weird, too, because like if you if you were watching, if this was a two-hour Raw, you know, this is probably an hour and 25 minutes into the show where this stuff happens. Yeah. It's weird. It's not like it's all loaded toward the back side of the show which is weird so anyway we, we, we get to find out that um you know it's going to be the 20-man tag and I, again i don't know about you man but I, when i think of i want wc wwf's five best guys and mm. wc's five best the first 10 that come to my mind are farouk bradshaw billy gunn hardcore holly and big show oh yeah I mean, what about you, dude? <laughs> well, the five WCW guys are right there, dude. Sean Stasiak, Mark Jindrak, Palumbo, O'Hare, and Canyon. Absolutely. Ten of the best right there. <laughs> Seriously. Who better uh, than Canyon? Who better than Canyon? Nobody. So, anyway, man, it's uh, – so then that's the ten in the ring. And, and guess these what? Ten... No one on WWF TV knows who Sean Stasiak, Marge Jindrak, Chuck right. Palumbo, Sean O'Hare, Canyon are because they haven't had any promo time. They haven't nope. been introduced at all. This wasn't like the NWO, man, right. because the NWO guys slowly trickled in and they gave each guy a time to kind of establish themselves. And nope, all of a sudden we've got 20 WCW guys popping in and some of them have not even had any matches, no TV time at all. And right. like, it's just silly. Yeah. And like, personally, am I excited to see Mark Jendrak, Chuck Plumbo, Sean O'Hare, and Canyon on Wrestle and WWF? Absolutely. But being a fan of wrestling and storytelling, uh, they just, the execution is trash. Yep. But again, I'm there this night. I'm love, I'm eating all this out of my, I mean, they're, they're, I'm, they're feeding me out of their hand. I'm just eating it all up, man. It's just as a as a 15 year old. But anyway, of course they can't get along. And then ECW music t- comes on, and these 10 guys come down directly next to me and Chuck. I mean, it's me, Chuck, one other guy, and then the freaking ECW guys are next to us coming down the stairs. That's where I'm on screen again for a brief second, but my other sign. But anyway, it's just so cool. And again. I was trying so hard to get Rhino to see my sign, dude. I'm like shoving it in his face, and he just he doesn't acknowledge me. But in anyway, um, 
dude, but but to me, these ten guys are definitely ECW to the core. Like you know, and 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 some of them have been established on WWF television, so it's yeah. fine. We understand them. Yeah. It's weird how ECW has a better presence to the to the fans than the WWE guys do. So they did, yeah, for yeah. Sure. It's weird. But um, again, they get in there and uh, they beat up the WWF guys and then slide in and they start to high five the WCW guys. And again, it blew my teenage mind. I had no idea what was happening. Shane and Heyman hug. Vince comes out to get the story like, what the heck's going on? Taz mission to Hardcore Holly. F5 on Bradshaw by Sean O'Hare. So up yours, Brock Lesnar. <laughs> Sean O'Hare's <laughs> doing the F5 here. Uh, I don't really mean that, Mr. Lesnar. I don't really mean that, but... <laughs> <laughs> a thousand apologies. Um, 3D to Farouk. Van Daminator to Billy Gunn. Thank God. That guy sucks yeah. uh, at this point in his life. But um, I hated him. But anyway, Shane then explains that he's responsible for the merger of WCW and ECW. They're going to beat the WWF at Invasion, then introduces the new owner of ECW. Who do you think it is? It's a returning Stephanie McMahon in her little pink dress. Also blew my teenage mind. Again, put myself while I was there. I was freaking on a cloud nine, man. This was all blowing my mind. I'm looking back at it. It's like, what is happening? <laughs> but and being there was incredible. Sure. Yeah. And, and for a moment it is. But once again, it's all about the McMahons. That's yep. what this always ECW, WWF storyline comes down to being all about the McMahons. Uh, and maybe a little bit of Paul Heyman. But you're also blowing through easily three to six months worth of television right here oh, yeah. in two hours, man. Yep. Or at least, at least you could have stretched this to the pay-per-view having three yeah. companies. You could have had some, you could have somehow done the whole pay-per-view of ECW versus WCW versus WWF and maybe ended the show with ECW and WCW coming together, man. But they right. just, they hit the panic button, man. Vince had yep. no faith in WCW Probably Paul Heyman got in his ear, and Vince also always had a soft spot for ECW, and they're like, "Well, this is the way to save it. We can, we can pull pull ECW up uh, and and add this to it and make it cool again." And that's what they do here. Yeah. And it uh, it works. It's, it's a little shot into the arm, but sure, it's ah, man, it's too much. And uh, I wanted to ask you this, dude. Since Undertaker was pulled from his match earlier, and that he was supposed to be the one facing uh, Mike Awesome and Lance Storm. But it ends up being Kane, and uh, and that's all because of the attack on Sarah that he gets replaced with Kane, that the ECW guys, they decide they're going to invade on Kane and not on The Undertaker here. So does that mean Mm. that the entire invasion storyline is the ultimate hashtag blame Sarah moment? Two words. Without question. (laughs) It's absolutely Sarah's fault. It is, man. It's all her fault. We've talked about everything being Undertaker's fault. This is all Sarah's fault. All the bad stuff's her fault. Everything from here on out is all Sarah's fault. The next six months of television. (laughs) Oh, man. So coming up next is SmackDown July 12th, 2001, as we're just creeping into the invasion here. Uh, We get a recap of the headache-inducing whirlwind events of Monday Night Raw and certainly, undoubtedly, one of the most newsworthy editions of Raw ever in history. Um, Undertaker opens the show uh, from earlier today in Vince's office, and Vince is saying, a deal is a deal, Taker. Uh, so I'm giving you Taker, I'm giving you DDP tonight, but it's going to be a tag team match. Undertaker and Angle against Shane and DDP. Uh, but in return, you have to be on Team WWF at Invasion. So, uh, I thought he said that on Monday. 
but uh, yeah, he guess, did. He told yeah. he told us on Monday. Well, they they don't they don't even know what they're writing. Not. No, they don't. Yeah, uh, Taker begrudgingly says a deal is a deal, and Vince asks him, "Well, how's Sarah doing?" And Undertaker says, "Well, I'd prefer the name Sarah never come out of your mouth again." <laughs> and I was thinking I would prefer it never to be spoken on this show again, <laughs> but unfortunately, that's not going to happen. She who shall not be named. <sighs> It's like the Voldemort. Um, And uh, the WCW crew of jabronis open up the show. And like I said, dude, this this is clearly another huge problem with this is that there's way too many people in the ring. There's 20 WCW guys. And (laughs) none of them, except Booker T and DDP, have had any sort of character development. Man, how are we supposed to care about these guys? Or even get behind them as heels because we don't care about them. They're just... Random, generic guys. Uh, anyway, um, Heyman, Shane and Stephanie gloat about everything here. And Heyman, actually, he's doing his best, man. He's doing everything he can to put this stuff over. Because he gets on a rant, starts talking about all the things that Vince stole from ECW, including their own network. Uh, <laughs> true. A little Very bit true. of a ski right there. Yeah. Uh, he says Vince stole everything from him, so now he's going to steal everything from Vince, including his children. Uh, so, mm-hmm. great. Leave it to Paul Heyman to come up with a logical exactly. explanation for all of this stuff. Um, Heyman continues to talk about the audacity of Vince putting him out of business and then putting him on a commentary desk and asking him to do that. But Paul says he did it loyally all this, all the while becoming a stooge for Shane, feeding him information from the inside. Uh, but that wasn't enough. He wanted to take away daddy's little girl too. So he ended up giving her the power to own her own company. Uh, just great work by Heyman here. Oh yeah. He's great. Stephanie talks about how her and Shane are better than Vince and how it's just simple evolution. A nod to her uh, future husband right there. And Oh, and the pay-per-view she apparently created. That's right. All the oh, good for. point. Good point. Golly. And there's all this talent in the ring for 20 minutes, dude, and the only people who get to talk are Paul Heyman, Shane McMahon, and Stephanie McMahon. That's who <sighs> Invasion is about. It's about these people. Not the wrestlers. They're nope. just pawns. In this game. Could have been anybody out there. Yep. Uh, this is the episode of SmackDown where Stone Gold tries to cheer Vince up with something that's going to solve all his problems. A guitar. And uh, mm. they sing Kumbaya and Jimmy Crack Corn from Kurt Angle. <laughs> Jimmy Crack Corn, stuff. I don't care. I love seeing Austin tune a guitar. <laughs> <laughs> it's like trying to tune the machine heads. It's great. So. Vince is going to have a team meeting with Team WWF, Kurt Angle, Stone Cold, Undertaker, Kane, and Y2J, and uh, uh, Kurt's got the guitar in his hand as the meeting starts, and Austin just smacks it out of his hands, <laughs> and uh, makes Jericho like actually break character. He like cracks a smile. Oh, yeah. yeah, he does. <laughs> I remember that very um, vividly. Vince is talking about how this is the most serious threat the WWF has ever known, uh, again, he's just vacillating between not caring at all about WCW and then talking about how important it is. Uh, and Austin is just repeating every word after Vince says yes. it. And Taker is like losing it on the side. <laughs> Taker asks, why don't you just let me and Kane handle this? <laughs> just two on, two on 20. I love it. Um, and Vince says, well, the risks are just too great. And Undertaker says, well, what are you going to do with these two? 
and uh, Austin is just going crazy over there. It's uh, it's pretty funny, pretty good stuff. Yeah, it's great, man. It's, this, all this stuff with Austin is so funny, man. But then we're going to get more of Vince. Now Vince is going to come out to the ring to cut another promo uh, on the Vince McMahon show. So he's basically taking Triple H's spot. He's doing Vince so. promos and Triple H promos. Okay, he's got to fill checking. up all that time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and this is the promo where Vince says... He doesn't need the Stone Cold who gives him hugs, who gives him cowboy hats and cookies. He doesn't need the Stone Cold who plays guitar. He needs the old Stone Cold. And uh, Vince? You sound just like him. I was trying, man. <laughs> Perfect. The crowd and JR erupt at hearing that because they are sick of this heel Stone Cold. Everyone's sick of it already. It's already clear. It's funny, but he's miscast in this role. He's... He can do it, um, and uh, in a different universe, it would be perfect, but it's just not... The crowd, no one wanted this. Uh, Nope. No one really wanted it. Um, And so Stone Cold is very confused by all this, and uh, Vince is just begging him to become the beer-swilling, hell-raising guy he used to be. He begs Stone Cold to beat the crap out of him, and Stone Cold starts to crack a smile, but just shakes his head. And walks away, sadly. Puts his head down. They could have played the Charlie Brown music mm, over this yep. as he walks up the aisle. Uh, it's a great performance from both guys here, actually. Um, you know, oh, the story yeah. that As far as the story they're trying to tell, they both put their all into it. Um, Stone Cold leaves the arena. Vince goes chasing after him. And the main event of the night, like we said, is Undertaker and Kurt versus Shane and DDP. Uh, DDP gets a case of the limber tail, as JR calls it, and hides from Taker on the outside, allowing uh, Shane to get a beating. Uh, but they are able to cut the ring off, be on Angle for a little while, and Angle makes a hot tag to the tag team specialist Undertaker, who goes wild on <laughs> DDP. But then the ECW-WCW Coalition, as they're called at this point, mm-hmm. uh, they run interference, but Undertaker and Kurt Angle beat them all up. <laughs> Two against ten, they destroy them all. Then some more of these guys come out. Uh, Hugh Morris gets left alone with Undertaker. With his probably the highlight of his career here for five seconds is getting beat up on Undertaker one on one. He eats a stiff clothesline from Undertaker, and then Taker can't help himself. Man, he sees the coalition on the outside, about fifteen of them, and he hits the ropes and hits a flying cow diving out onto all these guys. And uh, awesome visual as it always is. Oh yeah, it was incredible. Uh, Jericho and Kane come out to help Team WWF, but the WCW, ECW guys are just too much for them. And I'm just wondering, where's the rest of the WWF? Where's the job squad that the APA has been leading this whole time? Why don't they run out for all this to help? Yeah, I know. No sense here. Uh, finally, DDP taunts Undertaker. They, they like the whole alliance coalition. They lift Undertaker up, and DDP's taunting them. But Taker fights out. He tries to choke slam him, but the WCW guys beat him down again, and DDP finally hits a diamond cutter on Undertaker after all this time and gets to stand victorious over him. Except that's not how the show ends. The show actually ends with Stephanie McMahon walking out and nodding in approval to put the focus back on her where it belongs. Oh, golly, man. I don't. Uh, I, I think I saw this uh, era through rose colored glasses because I was there when the, you know, the cool part of this was right. born. I don't. Going back and revisiting has really brought these bad memories backwards. All about the McMahon's. So uh, that was anyway. the, my biggest takeaway from watching this stuff was just how much it was focused 
on them and not the wrestlers. Yeah. yeah. And I love exactly. I mean, I've had moments where I love Shane, Vince, and Stephanie. They've all done great stuff. Oh yeah. On TV, but this is not it. No. Well, that brings us to Raw uh, twenty four twenty five on uh, July sixteenth. Though one, this is the, the go home Raw before Invasion, and this is this is the one where Austin's at the friendly tap all night. Uh, that oh, bar, the friendly um, tap. Yeah, man. Tim White's. Uh, I guess he works there, or he owns it, or something. I think he so. owned it, or owns yeah. it. I don't know if it still exists. Yeah. That's where Vince wants the old Stone Cold to come back, and we see him throughout the night. We see Austin's antics and talking to Tim White and playing pool with Deborah, and Vince goes to talk to him and stuff. But anyway, we're we're told that the Brothers of Destruction are going to face DDP and Rhino tonight. So, freaking tag team, my dream, right there, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, backstage, DDP is prepped for a night they'll never forget. He said. I think something's special treat here. I want you to do me a favor. Go get a few of the boys. I got the unedited version of Undertaker's old lady. <laughs> got a little special screening. I call it the King about a Bing's best of Sarah. <laughs> Sweet. So. Did you have that one back in the day? VHS. No, 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 no. I had, I had Invasion on okay. VHS, yeah. but did not have the King of Bada Bing's best of Sarah. So. Probably could have found that on Amazon or not Amazon. What was uh, eBay big back then? So, <laughs> yeah. But um, he's like, hey, he tells Rhino to go fetch the other guys for a private viewing. And Rhino's like, yeah. Like, Rhino had no character at this point, nope. unfortunately. He was crazy, but I still love the heck out of him. But um, anyway, Shane, Steph, and Heyman give the uh, coalition again. They're not called the Alliance at this point yet, but I'll probably call them that. But. They give him a pep talk about Sunday, and the WWF will never take any of us back. There's no going back, what they say, which we all know that's not true because once they lose in November, they're all back in the company. Yep. So. Uh, anyway, but Heyman, really, Heyman does his best job. He really sells that. Inaug- yeah, yeah they are. He, he, he does the best. Um, he sells that inaugural brawl where it's going to be the Dudleys and Rhino and DDP and Booker T taking on the WWF's best. So... Again, you can just tell from the get-go, though. you got Kane, Undertaker, Chris Jericho, Stone Cold, and Kurt Angle. And they're taking on the Dudleys, Rhino, DDP, and Booker T. Like, it's just... A little uneven. Yeah, a little uneven there. I mean, again, I'm a fan of the Dudleys, Rhino, DDP, and Booker T, but they're just... Their star power is not... It's it's definitely one-sided, you know? Yep. The, the scales are one-sided there. And... um. The APA has rallied the troops in the locker room on this night, and uh, actually Vince and Taker walk in, and the APA come in, and uh, the APA and, and Vince give a pep talk uh, about this Sunday, and um, I think it's uh, Vince says that no one in this room, or no, it's, it's JBL, excuse me, or Bradshaw. He says no one in this room has been threatened like we've been threatened now, and uh, Vince is, you know, saying that he hopes we'd have Austin on our team, and finally Taker speaks up. He goes. I've heard all that I'm going to hear. What it's time for is to find out who the phony tough is and who's the crazy brain. Austin. He's made a hell of a name for himself here in the WWF. And now he don't have the heart to go out and fight for the company that made him? No, he doesn't. I said a hell with him. The rest of you need to understand this. There's no shame and going out and fighting and getting your ass kicked. But there's no honor in not fighting at all. 
So who wants to fight it? Who wants to fight All the jabronis, the job squad, everybody gets up and they're cheering. Um, everybody's, you know, rah-rah, shish they're all excited. Cloud nine, and then suddenly Brooklyn Brawler rolls rolls in, and I mean, I wish that Limp Biscuit would have hit right here. It'd be awesome. Keep rolling. And we get classy Freddie Blassie rolled in his wheelchair. Oh, I'll never forget this. Great night, man. segment, great, dude. Great segment. Great promo get, from Taker. This this is perfect. It's good stuff. This is it's really taking shape and really making it mean something. So And you again, buy it I, from Taker because he's been there for eleven right. years, man. Exactly. But I'm not sure exactly what the threat is again because they've pretty much squashed all the WCW guys. But anyway. Yeah, uh, and they're and they're also allowed to compete on their show. It's not right, they're right. not invading. They're already exactly. there. Yeah. Um, anyway, but Freddie Blassie gives a, a you know inspirational promo, and at the end he's like, "Stand up, stand up!" And he stands up out of his chair, which is a very, you know, supposed to be emotional thing and everything. And so we see we cut to Austin watching this at the friendly tap, and he he sees that, and he breaks that pool stick and uh, on the pool table, and then leaves the bar, and the crowd starts starts cheering because they know the old Stone Cold's come back. So. Main event is DDP and Rhino taking on their brother's destruction. Uh, our boys walk out for a great ovation, and they basically, of course, dominate um, you know, DDP and Rhino until the Dudleys and Booker T run in. So, And as this is happening, it's just a big schmoz finish. The crowd's chanting, Austin, Austin. And then more WWF guys run in, followed by more you know, Alliance guys, and we get this humongous Pier 6 brawl in the ring. We get guys Did you brawling. Say humongous or Hugh Morris? Oh, Lord Humongous. Yeah. <laughs> no, there was no sit there. Yeah. Yeah. Hugh, we get this Hugh Morris and Humongous fight in the ring. We see guys brawling backstage in the parking lot. We got, it's just like, you know, fighting everywhere. Um, Austin pulls up in his truck and he starts just beating the crap out of these Alliance guys and hitting them with the pool cue, beating them up in the backstage area beating him up as he's walking through to the gorilla position, beating, and he is beating up all of the Alliance guys single-handedly. And then the glass breaks, and the roof blows off this arena, wherever the heck they were this night. I didn't pay attention. But everyone in that arena is on their feet because finally the old Stone Cold is back, the one before WrestleMania 17. Mm-hmm. He comes in, and he single-handedly stuns all the Alliance guys that are left in the ring. Beats them all up. And then Kate, Taker and Kane are dishing out. Choke slams as well to everyone. Team WWF is standing tall. They're helping each other up from the corners. They're all standing there united, all five of them in the ring. And then Taker, like, actually, he helps Angle up and then goes and actually speaks to Austin. So they're all united here, heading into SmackDown before Invasion. This is probably the highlight of the buildup at this, yeah. this episode of Raw. Man, this this is yeah. what the Invasion should have been the entire exactly. time. And it's focused on the the guys, too. And it's you're seeing the intensity, you're seeing the passion of everything. This is it right here. Yeah, there was no McMahon in that last segment. Yep. None. Yep. Well, uh, the Go Home Show, July nineteenth, two thousand one, on SmackDown. Actually, SmackDown episode one hundred, right here. So Ooh. pretty fitting for a historic show. And what better way to celebrate that? Then with a six-man tag of Taz and the Dudley Boys against Undertaker, Kane, and Tajiri. (laughs) (laughs) 
my new favorite tag team. They should have the six-man belts. Uh, Kane Taker and Tajiri. Uh, the WCW crew kicks off the show, followed by the ECW group. It's your basic uh, go-home promo here as a... Uh, you know, Shane and Stephanie talk, and Paul saves the day again as he builds this up. As he talks about how Shane and Stephanie are going to do what Vince did to his father uh, and, and destroy him. Uh, he claims the days of sports entertainment are over and the alliance will bring about wrestling. And actually, the crowd boos this. <laughs> you would think they would cheer to, uh, wrestling over sports entertainment, but no, this crowd wants sports entertainment. <laughs> Uh, DDP is going to take on Chris Jericho, and uh, I'm sure they fought in WCW, but man, I don't yeah, remember it ever. Um, but uh, I can't it's cool to see it on it was, WWF TV. Oh, yeah. Uh, Nick Patrick is going to be the referee, and he's going to go into his classic <laughs> heel ways and also his old feud with Jericho here. He refuses to count the pin for Jericho, then calls for a DQ on Jericho. Uh, Jericho puts Patrick in the walls of Jericho for old time's sake. Puts DDP in him as well. Uh, Does he have one arm tied behind his back like nah, he did at World War Three? Didn't quite, go quite that far. Or yeah. uh, Jericho's <laughs> going to nail DDP with a chair. Um, Paul Heyman is going to try to recruit William Regal to become the uh, ECW CW commissioner, and Regal is angrily going to refuse and give one of his hmm. impassioned, awesome promos. Yeah. Uh, Regal and Tajiri are discussing what happened earlier. And it's uh, these segments with Regal and Tajiri are great when Tajiri's just yes. speaking gibberish. <laughs> I'm sure he's not speaking real Japanese. I don't know. Right. <laughs> but he's all like crazy hyper and psycho. Uh, Regal tells Tajiri how proud he is of him. And uh, Tajiri has a fit of excitement when Undertaker and Kane walk in with Sarah. Uh, and he finds out they're going to be his tag team partners tonight. Uh, Regal goes to give uh, Sarah a handshake. And Undertaker slaps it away and says, Hands. <laughs> <laughs> like he's your youth director or something exactly. on a trip hands handshake <laughs> Taker asks what in the hell is wrong with Tajiri and, uh, as he's like bouncing around on the table and uh, Regal tries to give Taker and Kane a pep talk for tonight he tells them if they have any problems they just need to rise up and when he does that Tajiri lays down on the table and sits up like Undertaker <laughs> used to do <laughs> And uh, Undertaker says, you need to check his medication. And uh, Kane calls Tajiri a freak. So, Well, he's lucky that he didn't light this uh, place on fire like he did last time they were I in know. his office. I wouldn't let them back in my office after that. <laughs> not, not a chance. <laughs> um, so they have their six-man tag, and Tajiri is hyped up, dude. He is excited, and this crowd is excited, too. Uh, Tajiri uh, gets a huge hot tag to Undertaker, the greatest tag wrestler of our generation. <laughs> And uh, Tajiri goes for a moonsault, but gets locked in the Taz mission. And Undertaker saves him and gives Taz a choke slam for the win here. Uh, ride some momentum here into the invasion. Uh, Vince tells Stone Cold in the back that the divorce proceedings are on hold. So that whole plan to split the shows up is out the window already. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Vince has a guitar to sing some celebratory tunes with Stone Cold, but Stone Cold grabs it to tune it and then just slams it over Vince's head. <laughs> old Stone Cold is back, baby. Yep. yep. Um, the main event for the show is Rhino and Booker T versus Stone Cold and Kurt Angle, and not doesn't really ever get going. Austin quickly disposes of Rhino and Booker T with some stunners. No way. Yeah, yeah, what a surprise. <laughs> But DDP interrupts on the Ovaltron to reveal, and I completely 
forgot about this, but he has kidnapped Deborah and locked her in the trunk of his limo. And oh, yeah. Undertaker runs out. He tries to take out DDP, but he gets jumped by members of the ECWCW coalition. Another giant brawl breaks out between everybody backstage, and DDP drives away with Deborah in the limo. So Austin runs to the back and steals another limo, and we get a limo chase <laughs> out of the arena. <laughs> Uh, meanwhile, in the ring, Kurt Angle's all by himself. He gets an ankle lock on Booker T, but the Dudleys run out. Rhino gores Angle, and uh, Angle's left alone with four-fifths of the uh, Coalition team right here. And the Dudleys give Angle a 3D through the table as the ECW theme song plays as the show goes out, leading us into this pay-per-view with uh, the ECWCW guys on top. There you go. That's the way it should have been. They should have gone on top. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's needed to happen but um yeah man so you forgot about the whole deborah uh, abduction i don't remember there. that at all no oh yeah i love the way they explain it here on the invasion i can't wait to <laughs> get to this <laughs> just a second so. well ladies and gentlemen it's been uh 16 hours and we're just now getting to the invasion uh show so thank you guys for sticking with us to this long hopefully you didn't fast forward you just you know you've listened to all of our shenanigans here but we are finally here is invasion uh, July 22nd, 2001. And I just want to bring up something that I just think is neat. This is from the Gund Arena in Cleveland, Ohio, which is the same exact arena where Shane, quote-unquote, bought WCW from Vince. And I just thought, how cool is that? Like, what a coincidence, man. Like, I don't know. This definitely wasn't planned that you don't think. I don't think so. But yeah, I don't know, man. It's just really really neat how that worked out it to is. me and in much the same way we have on this show we've talked about the wcw versus wwf rivalry at every in july, july. pay-per-view <laughs> yeah. and we didn't realize this when we started but it yeah. works out that for the last time we're going to talk about it here in july as they finally go face to face for the first time ever perfect timing for us man it all works out yeah, what a coincidence. So and it's just God, crazy. Because I can't take much more of this, man. We're finally here, <laughs> dude. Watching well, this build-up was driving me crazy this week. Man, I love the poster for this show. I love the – I don't know. I uh, I had this show on VHS, and I actually got it on DVD a few years later. A guy – actually about six years ago, a guy I used to go to church with in Nashville. Let me borrow it. And, uh, well, we moved away. <laughs> I never get back to him. So, Mike, if you're listening – I don't even remember your last name, but just hit me up and I'll give it to you. So, <laughs> I have it. I have both copies, so which well, is kind of I mean, neat. It's, it's an it's an original, you know, from two thousand one. So pretty yeah. cool. So. And as far as the show goes, it's a pretty decent show. I watched the whole thing back uh, this yeah. week, and there's some good wrestling on it. Um, it's it's not a bad show overall, but um, no. Yeah. Well, yeah, I wrote that in my notes here. I just wrote, you know, say what you want about this storyline and all, but for some reason, man, this pay per view has a special place in my heart. Like I don't know. If it's just finally being able to see so many guys that I was a fan of in WCW finally get a shot on WWF television, you know, like like a Canyon or a Hugh, not a huge Hugh Morris fan, but you know, like just mid card guys and seeing Palumbo and O'Hare and 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 Lance Storm and Mike Awesome and and Rhino and just seeing these guys being heavily featured, I think that's why this pay per view is special to me and uh, also just like it for nostalgia purposes and probably because I was there at that Atlanta Raw, but it's just. I don't know. It's a, it's a pretty decent show, aside from um, the uh, Nick Patrick and uh, 
and uh, <laughs> Earl Hebner match. Nick Patrick's the world tallest referee, but anyway. Um, <laughs> but even yeah. that, for what it is, I think is a nice little. It's fun. It's fun. It is fun, and you know my problem with it, and this is my last problem I'll bring up. Really, is <laughs> we'll I just see. kept coming up with different ones, though. <laughs> There's no stakes to this pay per view, right. man, and. Nothing happens if WWF wins. Nothing happens if ECWCW wins. Nothing right. is going to change. The invasion has already taken place. WCW and ECW, EC, yeah, they're already all able to have matches on WWF TV. Exactly. They're already all able to be there. There's nothing on the line tonight. They, the announcers keep talking about the score between the companies, but the score means nothing. Nothing's going to happen right. uh, based on the events of the match like this pay-per-view should have been about well if the coalition wins they get their own show or they get to be allowed to remain on wbf tv at last anything to make this more important and there's none of that here um which brings me to a question i can't believe i'm gonna ask uh but do you think maybe the invasion would have been better had your boy Vince Russo had some involvement in it because I was wondering what might have been because we talked about here despite all his flaws he knew how to give everything stakes he knew how to give everyone on TV characters even these big factions with lots of people everyone would have unique characters and storylines and I couldn't help but think as I was watching this man he you know with some help could have actually had some positive involvement on this storyline. Some of his best traits could have really benefited this whole thing. Oh, I totally agree, man. I totally agree that he would have made it have stakes or something. Like you said, just he would have made a reason for this stuff to take to to take place. Now, granted, there might have been like a contract on a pole match or something <laughs> or, uh, or you know San Francisco 49ers on a pole match but <laughs> what, we never know I mean having the but, referees wrestle is the most Russo thing I can think that's, of anyway. that's very true and well that and the tag team Braun Panties match <laughs> I have a comment about that later but oh do you I do I do yeah <laughs> well anyway yeah man I think Russo if he has little mitts on it would have been pretty decent so um, but Anyway, it is what it is, man. Yeah, you're right. There's no stakes. Uh, but I guess that's kind of because the whole divorce thing debacle yep. died. You know, they decided to kill that. So whatever is what it is. Well, here's some positive stuff, though, man. The opening video package is great. It's got Fantastic. clips of uh, FDR talking about war mixed up with footage of this promotional war. Uh, the set is really cool because they've got separate rampways and entrances for both companies, which is a great little touch that... I don't think it was done enough during this angle, but at least they did it here. Uh, so yeah. I love that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I love the set. You know, again, we put over the sets back in 2000, 2001, Endless Sleeve, and this one was great. You know, They should have had that on Raw and SmackDown. They should have. Like, I think, you know what, though? TNA did that. for in, uh, Yeah. And I, I wasn't a huge fan of that product at the time, but TNA did it, and they made sense. You know, They had a hill, hillside and a face side, so it makes uh, sense. We get the rare team-up of JR and Michael Cole on commentary tonight. We don't see that combination too often. And I said I wasn't going to talk about any more problems, but that's a problem right there. Like, you got no voice for the opposition on commentary. I don't know why right. Heyman was down on commentary for this show. Man, it it should have really been JR and Heyman. Because you got two guys cheering for the WWF on commentary. 
Yep. It should have been Jr. and Heyman on commentary right there. I have no idea why it's not. But, nope. um, well, in a continuation of Bring Your Wife to, Wife to Work Month, we get Sarah and Deborah backstage getting coffee again. So uh, and Deborah says she can't wait for Steve to get his hands on DDP. And Sarah's like, you know, DDP's a pervert and a psycho. And that after Mark gets done with them tonight, um, there will be nothing left. So, again, he's he's Mark again, just like when Russo and Vince McMahon told us it's all phony and he's just playing a character. But, anyway, um, throughout the night, we're going to well, see yeah. these various... <laughs> you, did you say that Deborah talks about how uh, on, oh. <laughs> after SmackDown, DDP yeah. just dropped her off in the middle of nowhere after kidnapping yeah. her? So. Yeah, she's like, he picked me up and drove me around a circle and then dropped me back off in the parking lot. Like, okay. I yeah, guess, maybe she did one eight hundred call att or something to or ten ten three two one ten ten two twenty uh, yeah. one of those. It's just that's that was a um they should have done a show don't tell there like I would have preferred them show us that from SmackDown or show us video footage of that like don't tell us that was that would have been that's something we should have seen so but anyway yeah is what it is but throughout the night we're gonna get these pep talks you know from. Uh, both sides, you know, we get McMahon talking to his team members and, or excuse me, Vince talking to his team members and Shane and Steph and Heyman talking to their team members and stuff. And uh, DDP tells him that he's already in Austin's head and Taker's head. So that's, that's a neat little touch. He's got not just Taker, but he's got Austin now. Yeah. Yeah. And Vince is going to be talking to the Undertaker family here uh, on the flip side of that. And he tries to give them a pep talk. Uh, Vince reminds Kane that he was there in the ring when ECW and WCW joined forces. And he reminds Taker of all that DDP did to his wife. And Taker slams Vince into the wall. Man, he told him yeah. not to say his wife's name anymore. Sure, this DDP has got to be in your crawl. With what he did to your wife. With all that voyeur stuff. With all that videotape the best of, of Sarah. With all that that he's got. So I told you I was going to talk about the Tori and Stacy stuff and the Braun Panties match on here. Braun first ever Braun Panties tag team match, historic matchup on this show. Um, <laughs> just reminded me, uh, you know, we talked on this show a little bit about how you know we both grew up in pretty conservative households and our parents were you know pretty restrictive of us, and especially. They made me stop wrestling at certain points because of all the Attitude Era stuff in 99 and thought it was gross and disturbing and all that. And, you know, I went home for Christmas this year and uh, I was there in the living room and my parents uh, put on their favorite show uh, that had a new episode on that night. And have you ever heard of the show Outlander, Travis? Yes, I have. I've never seen it, but I've heard of it. Okay. Uh, It comes on Stars, I think. And... It's basically pornography. <laughs> mm. like it's a softcore porn show. Uh, no offense if you're a fan of it out there. That's fine. Whatever. But there's just like multiple five-minute graphic sex scenes <laughs> in the middle of the show that I'm sitting there watching with them. Like full-on nudity, like long, long sex scenes in there. And it just made me think back to my days of my childhood, dude. Like... You weren't okay with me watching Ron Panties matches, and here you are watching full-on, basically, softcore porn in front of me. Cool, Mom and Dad. Real cool. Things have changed. Times times have changed. Well, you get up there in age, you got to see a little something else, I guess. You got to live a little something. 
<laughs> I don't know, man. I know you said That's... your dad got on to you for cussing on the uh, WWF pay-per-views. So. Oh, I, yeah. I don't know if he ever yeah. watches anything that has cussing in it. but <laughs> Oh, please. He watches every Netflix show there is. He'll yeah. binge watch every single thing there is. And, like, Dad, he's the one who told me to watch Bird Box. I started watching it. I was like, there's like 100 F-words in this movie. But anyway... <laughs> It was a good movie, just, though. I liked it. Yeah, it was it was fine, but um, I don't know. It, it was what it was. But anyway, yeah, it's just weird how our parents have gotten older and less conservative. A little, a little more <laughs> lax on that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, that is pretty funny. Well, something that I wouldn't have mind gotten restricted was – or you wouldn't have mind, excuse me, is that – Uncle Cracker's music is right here again, fully and intact. I don't know what when they pick and choose why his music is there for X Factor and when it's yeah, not. Yeah, so. because it's not just for pay-per-views either because it's not on no. some of the other pay-per-views. I don't yeah. know what the deal is, but yeah. couldn't live without that. Uh, on the flip side, RVD and Jeff Hardy had the match of the <laughs> night on this show, man, and it it makes them yeah. both stars, dude. And it really oh, yeah. it set Rob Van Dam apart. Uh, yep. elevated him above all the rest of the Alliance guys here. Man, star-making performance from him. I will never get the image of him taking that DDT out of my mind. Taking <laughs> that D. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's insane. I tried to take him like that whenever you and I would wrestle. <laughs> I couldn't do it, though. Uh, well, But it's just crazy, man. Crazy stuff. Here's something interesting here. Um, after... After tying up the WWF 3-3 to in these matches on the show, we see Shane backstage giving a pep talk to Booker T and saying, you know, with our win on Sunday Night Heat tonight, uh, ECW and WCW, we're up 4-3. to So, interesting note that pre-show matches counted in 2001, but apparently not in 2018 at the Survivor Series <laughs> right. when Raw took on SmackDown. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and Xavier Woods and their, their, the New Day won, but they don't. That didn't count. So no, nope, didn't, didn't really count. happen. So, yeah, it's like a dark match, but all lights were on, so, and it was filming, <laughs> and it was broadcast on the network, but it didn't count. It counted here, on heat, though. Yep, it counts. It was not on the. I can vouch. It is not on the tape, but it counts. It counts. So, uh, yeah. Paul oh, Heyman has another great promo, hyping up the coalition, telling them you can either be failures or you can be gods here tonight. And uh, Vince tries to pep up Stone Cold, but he doesn't want it. He's uh, he's here to whip somebody's butt, and that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold said so. And that gets a good pop from the crowd when he says that. Yeah, so. he hadn't said that in um, a long time. Yeah, it's been been several months. So um, so eventually we get to sides are five to five going into the main event. So um, it's, yep, yeah. main events for everything here. Yeah, so it's for, it's for all the invisible stakes that don't exactly <laughs> actually exist, but still, it's five to five. You know, so we're getting the eleventh match here, and we get a long video package, kind of recapping everything since March, basically. And that again, like I mentioned, in that same arena. So, but again, most of the focus is going to be on whom? Steve Austin, and which again, just to me, looking back at it now, it's like. It's like watching a um, Shyamalan movie a second time. You know, it's like yeah. I could have seen, seen it coming. Yep. When they put yep. so much emphasis on him, it's like I should have seen this ending coming right. from a mile away. But anyway, finally we're here. Finally we're to the main event, the inaugural brawl: Booker T, DDP, Rhino, and the Dudley Boys versus Stone Cold, Kurt Angle, Chris Jericho, Undertaker, and Kane. And who gets their interests first? Shane McMahon, Stephanie McMahon, Paul Heyman, and Vince McMahon all getting separate entrances because <laughs> this is all about them. Yep. 
Exactly. And we've got about 50 minutes left on the show. we got to take up some time. <laughs> oh, yeah. Everybody gets an entrance. And it's weird when the guys come out because the teams alternate entrances. I've never seen anything like that. You know, I like that. Though. I remember liking it, being a fan of it at the time. I'm, I'm going back and watching it, too, here. I really liked that they did that. It was kind of neat to see them uh, kind of stagger the entrances and stuff because it, it kind of built the, for sure. the crowd. The crowd would pop and then boo and then pop. and then It kind of it was, it was fun. I liked it. So you know what was um, great though. Oh, what's that? Uh, you don't have any of these guys wearing WWF t-shirts or ECW t-shirts or WCW t-shirts. <laughs> yes. You don't have everyone on the pay-per-view wearing a t-shirt of their brand, like Survivor Series, where everyone looks like a jabroni. No. Yeah. Can you imagine if Stone Cold wrestled this whole match in a WWF t-shirt? Are you kidding me? No, that'd been awful. It would have been terrible. Mm, trash. Oh man, yeah. Nobody has their there's half sewn on like Seth Rollins does, where yep. it says like ECF and Mr. Monday Night T shirt or something. Like nobody has that. Thank so, goodness. It's so stupid. Now I will say on that Raw that I was at, they did all the ECW guys came out in the ECF and W shirts, but that that was that they needed to. That yeah. was that's, that made that's sense. Different. Yeah. Yeah, but here you're right. They don't have that. So. Um, well, the Dudleys come out first, and then Kane and Taker come out next. They have their special combined mashup entrance, and they actually walk out. There's no no motorcycle here. But uh, I just want to mention, up, mention that Taker's doing lots of limbering up and stretching as he's coming out, man. He is, like, doing those arm curls and those he's neck rolls. and he's yeah. yeah, he's getting ready, man, to, to beat on some WCW, so. And as they, he, he and Kane slide in the ring, Dudley's bail, which is a cool little touch, you know. And Cole and JR put over just how loyal Taker has been to the WWF for more than anyone else and for more than a decade. So I like point. that. Yep. Neat, neat, neat touch. Uh, Rhino's out next, followed by Jericho. And then, oddly enough, Booker T, the WWF yeah. champion, comes out and US second champion. to last. Yeah. Yeah. He should be the captain. Right. No. Nope. Uh, Kurt Angle's out next. And then DDP comes out last, but here's why they're doing it is because he's going to come out and signature spot here. Undertaker's going to go meet <laughs> DDP in the aisleway and strike, strike the first blow of the inaugural brawl. I loved it, man. We've seen I do, it so I, many yeah. times. I did, man. I was I was hoping for it again because I, I forgot how this match started, and I was glad I got it, man, because it was true to form for Undertaker that we've come to know here these last few months. So. Yeah, they start brawling, and then they brawl for, I don't know, 11 seconds, and then the glass breaks. Austin comes out to an enormous pop here in Ohio. Um, That's also just, true to form. Austin comes out a little bit late. <laughs> yeah, he's always late late to the tag match, isn't he? He yeah. and Rocky. So he, he, he immediately goes for my boy Rhino for some reason. He's, he's trying to take on Rhino, and the crowd's just eating up having the old Stone Cold back, man. And uh, there's a lot of brawling on the outside, and Austin rolls Rhino in the ring, and the match actually finally begins. We hear a bell. So Yeah, it's a great start with everybody brawling, going crazy yeah. on the outside. It's good stuff. Yeah. That's what it should have been about the last three weeks. It should yep. have been that, you know? Yep. But instead, we got McMahon's. So, anyway, I love that Austin hits that Ric Flair low blow kick, though, and in the ring. It's great. He hits that little mule kick, uh, like when the ref doesn't look, and it's great. He still has his heel tendencies a little bit, but he's supposedly a face now. So the crowd's eating up all the stuff he's doing. It's just funny how that works. So. I tell you what, I hate that he did though is Austin hits a superplex off the top rope, and that 
that probably took months off his career there, dude. And he, yeah. he did this a bunch during this time. And I'm thinking, dude, don't you realize what's going on with your neck? <laughs> you right, have the worst neck in the world, and you're taking that bump is terrible for his neck. Like, yeah. I couldn't believe he was doing that as often as he did it. I know. It's like he was trying to prove again that he could go in the ring. Because yeah. all those matches he had with Benoit and with Jericho, and now in this match, yeah, he yeah. is... He is in full blown like Ric Flair disciple mode. He's chopping. Everyone gets chopped. In, in fact, a lot of people in this match use chops. Um, there's yeah, a lot of chopping. <laughs> there's a lot of yeah, a lot of chopping here. It gets that superplex, like you said. Devon breaks up the pin. Jericho tags in. He's getting his spots on Rhino, basically hitting the greatest hits of Jericho. And then he, and Rhino hits a huge clothesline. Booker tags in, and the crowd just boo. So, hope it wasn't like a hate crime type thing. Hope it was just because he's a bad guy, but I don't know. But don't you think Jericho had the wrong pants on for this match, dude? He's got purple yeah. tights with barbed wire on him, which is like the ECW, ECW. logo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he should have had something else. So, yeah, didn't think that I don't through. know. No, he did not. So, um, anyway. Everybody's going to get their turn to come in here at the beginning, and there's not much wrestling going on. It's just a lot of, you know, a lot of punching and kicking in the corners as everybody yeah, kind of tags a lot. in. Uh, everybody gets to work their way into the ring. Um, Team WBF is dominating here at the beginning, though. They really seem to be firing on all cylinders, and Kurt Angle's really got the crowd behind him. But uh, Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, when he comes in, I think JR says he's going medieval on Booker T, and I just. The the crowd is ready for him to be a babyface. They want to cheer this guy. He's never been blown. a babyface up to this right. point. Right. Yeah. He's never been like a full fledged babyface. You know, he had that little kind of run with it. Well, no, I guess he was the heel with the whole Triple H thing. That's right. Yeah. yeah Triple sure. H was kind of the yeah. face. Yeah. So he's never been a face. So the crowd is ready. You know, after you know two years of him being on the roster, almost they're ready to, to cheer this guy. So. The Dudley boys are going to get a little bit of momentum for Team Coalition, Team Alliance, whatever you want to call it. Uh, they double-team Kane when he comes in, and they hit the old 3DB, the reverse 3D yes, maneuver, as Bubba comes into the match. But it doesn't last long. Kane's going to head up top and hit a massive flying clothesline onto Devon, and then finally get a uh, finally get the tag into Taker. Taker's the last man for Team WWF to tag into the match, and he unloads on Bubba Ray. Oh, yeah, man. He's punching and Irish whips all over the place, back and forth in turnbuckles and running, diving, clothesline. And then he just turns around and punches DDP off the apron. Just, <laughs> just knocks him. Leg drop and old school to Bubba. I mean, a really, really good, solid-looking old school to Bubba. And then uh, punches all the WCW, ECW guys off the apron except for DDP, who actually hits an apron stunner on him, which we yeah. know is a taker. The Taker move. That's we, right. We mentioned that a long time ago. Apron turns his move. So, yeah. And Taker kind of plays the, uh, the old Ricky Morton role, kind of sells for everybody here at this point. This Rhino tags in and works over Taker on the corner. Um, uh, where was, oh, yeah. Uh, Rhino works him over for a little while. Uh, DDP finally tags in. He's the last guy to tag in for WCW. And, of course, he's going to pick over Undertaker while he's already hurt. 
Uh, sure. Gets double two counts, and JR is just chastising them uh, for, for not hooking the leg or anything like that. And you got to take this more seriously up against the WWF. You're never going to get a pin like that. <laughs> uh, Booker T tags in and works over Undertaker uh, while Taker's trying to get the tag from his uh, from his partners. Yeah, and at this point, I got mad at JR because he's <laughs> like, you know, we might see this devastating spinner Rooney. Who might be treated to? He's like mocking it. I'm like, oh, you mean like the devastating people's elbow or the devastating, I don't know, mandible claw? Like, oh, he was come on, WCW man. all night, man. Yeah, for sure. It's like, come on, man. Look at like, put him over. It's been really fun. It's hilarious. It's great. It gets the crowd riled up. It's great, man. But yeah, um, Taker hits the run DDT on Booker, and Rhino comes in and makes a save. I do appreciate everyone coming in and making saves for their each other. I mean, yeah, it was, it was, it was a lot of that. So. Yep. Um, Austin tags himself in against Booker T and dude, he is stomping a mud hole and then Booker reverses and Austin reverses to a clothesline and he tries a stunner and then they head to the outside cause he can't get it. And then Austin suplexes Booker T from the crowd over the guardrail and onto the like protected mats on the outside, yeah. which also not good for your neck. Nope. So, nope. uh, they roll back in the ring and then Jericho tags in against Booker. And Jericho, of course, misses a line salt like he always does, but lands yep. on his feet. But the uh, ECWCW guys double team him. The Dudley boys take turns beating down Jericho, uh, but Jericho's able to tag out to Kurt Angle, who's going to take the Dudley boys to Suplex City here. <laughs> He's the originator <laughs> of it, man. Oh, yeah. And then uh, DDP's going to get a cheap shot in, and Bubba hits the Bubba bomb, and the Dudley boys are like the real workhorses here for the coalition. Yeah, man. They're doing most of the work in the ring. And DDP, love DDP, one of my favorite wrestlers of all time probably, but he was a little rusty here in this match. Yeah. I don't know what it is. Uh, he's Maybe his timing was off with the WWF guys. Man, he just he didn't seem like he was firing on all cylinders in this match like everybody else was. Yeah, and you know, there's been there were rumors back then. There've been rumors recently too. I mean, a couple of years ago about him, you know, and his Hall of Fame induction. People were wondering, you know, did he have heat with Taker? Is that why he got squashed and stuff? And he's gone on record saying that, you know, it was they just didn't have chemistry. They just didn't. You just you click with some guys and you don't with some others. You know, he and Macho Man clicked. You know, he right. and Sting, he he and Goldberg for God's sakes clicked. For some reason, he and Taker just didn't click. I mean, they're both pretty tall, big guys, so I don't know if that's it or what. Anyway, it just was what it was. He said, you know, I should have been put with Rocky, you know, when I came in, but it was, you know, it's it's not what happened, but still, you know. And so I don't think there was anything personal, but, yeah, he, he's a little off, man. Well, he's the oldest dude in the ring by, like, several years, yeah, too. Yeah, that, so. that might be part of it, too. Um, but, uh yeah, he comes. He comes in, and uh, I'm trying to find where I am. Oh, oh, I do. I want to note too. We're getting some Paulie sucks chance, just like we covered last <laughs> week on Talking Taker with the WCW match. So nice. Appreciate that continuity there. We take her in the ring, and Paulie gets Paulie sucks chance. Well, Rhino tags in, hits a belly to belly on Angle. Um, Mike Kyoto, or excuse me, um, Austin comes in and breaks with that pin, and Mike Kyoto just gets in Austin's face like, no, no, you're not the legal man. So I don't know why all of a sudden now it's not okay exactly. to, to come in. Yeah, well, Austin takes man. Like some other yeah. stuff we've talked about here. Exactly. Well, Austin flicks him off, which gets a huge pop as well. Bubba tags in against Angle. A quick tag back to Devon, and uh, Booker T tags back in. There's scissor kicking on Angle. Then he hits a spinner Rooney to the delight of the fans. So, <laughs> love the that hatred of Jr. <laughs> exactly. 
Um, and then, again, more inconsistency here. DDP distracts the ref so that the Dudley Boys can hit the was up, which Dudley Boys hit that move in every match. I don't, I'm, right. Do they usually have to distract the ref to do that? I don't remember they, that. They usually do at some point. It's weird, like Spike would do or something. But, I mean, they, they just depended on... If they were faces or heels, they were faces. They could do it. They were heels. They had to track referees. So. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, DDP is going to put uh, get in there with Kurt Angle eventually. Uh, puts Angle in a headlock, but Angle powers out over to the corner to tag in Stone Cold. But then the ref's not going to see the tag, even though he's allowed some other tags that he didn't see earlier. In this <laughs> exactly. Match. But, you know, oh well, oh. whatever. Uh, whatever works for the match, I guess. And then, uh, at this point, pretty much, everything is going to start to go crazy here. As uh, DDP hits a diamond cutter on Kurt Angle, and Undertaker just runs into the ring. <laughs> He's going to break this up, and now the match totally breaks down, because everyone hops in the ring. Uh, Rhino gores Booker T by accident, hits his own partner. And then Undertaker tosses DDP across the ring, hits a sidewalk slam on him. Uh, Taker uh, goozles uh, DDP for a choke slam and is going to go for the last ride. And, and the referee has totally lost control of everything. Mike Kyoto has. So the WCW official on the outside is going to run in the ring. Uh, Charles Robinson, he's going to try to get in Taker's face. And he gets a last ride for his troubles. So welcome <laughs> to the WWF, Chuck. Yeah, he gets a big last ride. How much do you think that hurt Charles Robinson? Oh he's not. A, he's not paid to welcome to the company that. pal exactly oh man like you said everyone is brawling on the outside and taker and ddp then head through the crowd they you know attitude era brawl throw up through the crowd and they're going to disappear that's the last we're going to see of either one of those men so taker is gone ddp's gone they're fighting through the crowd no camera falls and we get no camera shots of what they're doing they just disappear yep. so see you guys <laughs> so allegedly angles the legal man in the ring and austin is on the outside complaining of a knee injury. I guess he fell and is complaining of some kind of knee injury here to the refs. Yep. And you're right. Angle is the legal man, and DDP is also the legal man. Those are the last two guys that tagged into the ring before Undertaker uh, ran in there and started going crazy. But uh, I don't know if that was an accident or or they're just trying to make things up at this point. But... um, the uh, things are going to continue to go crazy on the outside. Dudley boys are going to start double teaming Kane. They grab a table from under the ring, despite there being two announce tables right next to them. Uh, but they're going to set that up, kind of leaning up against the guardrail. Uh, and Kane's like, I'll use these tables you didn't want to use. And Chuck <laughs> slams Devon through the English announce table. Uh, but Bubba Ray hits Kane with a monitor, and Rhino joins up with him, and they suplex Kane through the Spanish announce table. Yeah, it was a cool spot. It was a good spot. And then the table party continues as Chris Jericho hops up on the apron and splashes Rhino through the table that the Dudley boys propped up as things are getting out of control here. And uh, this is where JR claims that Kurt Angle and Booker T are the legal men in the ring. And I just want to point out that he is absolutely wrong. That. <laughs> DDP and Angle were the legal men here, but yep, DDP's gone, so they gotta adjust the finish here, I guess. Exactly. So yeah, Jericho's out, Dudley's are out, Kane's out, Rhino's out, DDP and Taker have disappeared. So yeah, like I said, Booker and Angle are in the ring, and Austin's got that knee injury on the outside. So 
Um, for convenience sake, we'll just say Booker T is a legal man. But he's not. But anyway, Angle fights back against Booker. Then Bubba gets in the ring, and uh, Kurt is nailing suplexes and angle slams, and he gets an ankle lock oh, yeah. on Booker, Booker he's T. He's on fire. Yeah, man. And the crowd is eating it up, man. Like I said, they want to cheer this guy so much. And uh, he gets an ankle lock on Booker T, and Booker kicks him. Uh, into Mike Kyoto, and then he hits a, a a great Booker T move, the old flapjack. Man, I love that mm-hmm. move. He lifts him up, and then so all the men are down now at this point. Well, this brings out Vince McMahon, the uh, patriarch of the WWF. You know who it's really all about. Vince, he slides the WWF title into the ring so that Kurt can get it and use it. So we'll see what happens next. Well, I want to say too that this whole time, this whole match, Shane has been going crazy on the outside and. During the wild brawl here at the end, Shane's been helping out his guys. He was helping beat up Kane on the outside. That's and true. meanwhile, Kane or meanwhile, Vince has just been stoic, like emotionless on the other side of the ring, not doing anything, which is silly because he's been acting like his company's at stake. This is the biggest right. match ever. Why are you not going great? You're Vince McMahon. You're like <laughs> you love to get in there and mix it up with people. Why are you not doing that? And then yeah, here He's going to go grab the championship, the WWF title, and slide it to Angle. And I'm like, just go use it. The referee's <laughs> down. Why don't you just go hit? Your company yeah. is on the line here. What are you doing? Um, so, of course, Shane intercepts the belt and ends up hitting Vince with it. And he goes to hit Kurt, but Kurt sends Shane packing, sends Bubba Ray over the top, gives an angle slam to Booker T. The straps go down and an ankle lock on Booker T as he's tapping out, but the referee is down. And oh no, here comes Stone Cold Steve Austin. Stone Cold throws the referee in the ring. Mike Kyoto, he gets up, he kicks Kurt Angle. Kick, wham, stunner. And then he puts Booker T on top of Kurt Angle, and the referee counts three to end the match at 29 minutes and three seconds. So Steve Austin has returned heel and helped his old stomping grounds, WCW and ECW, win the inaugural brawl for absolutely no stakes at all. (laughs) But still, the stakes were... Austin's turning heel again. Yeah, they doubled down on this heel turn, which is just another insane decision, in my opinion. Like, yep. how hot the crowd was for him. And, oh, it's they just had to force it, man. They're trying to force this thing that no one wants. And uh, it's a huge mistake in hindsight. Uh, someone in the crowd saw it coming, though, dude. Because someone had a sign ready that says, Austin 316 says, you just sold out. Which, yep. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know if that was a plant or what, but good call for that guy. Yeah, good on that guy, man. So, yeah, Austin is now celebrating in the ring with Shane, Steph, and Paul. They come in there, and Shane hands him the WWF title, and Austin poses in the corner. He's mean-mugging an angle and starts kicking him out of the ring and flicks him off, and JR and Cole are just absolutely incredulous of what they just witnessed. The WWF title is now in the enemy camp. Well, Maybe that could have been the stakes. Whoever wins gets right. a title. You know, like, Something. why wouldn't that have been? Yeah, I don't know. But, and again, I just said the crowds, they're kind of stunned, but they're on their feet. You know, they're on their sure. feet for this ending, but they're a little bit stunned, like, what? I thought, like, I don't know. They don't really know what to think of it. It's a think, heck of a so. swerve. No doubt about it. Yeah. Um, it's a shocking, if nonsensical ending. And, um, 
The show goes off the air with Austin, Shane, Steph, and Heyman toasting a few Steve Weisers all over Vince McMahon's body yeah, on his one on Vince. darkest day. Of course, of course. And yeah, man, it's a uh, as a match itself, it's very entertaining. It's thirty yeah, minutes it's of action, uh, ten great guys in there. It's hard to have a bad match, in my opinion, with it, but with that much talent in there, I, I love right. a good, you know, ten man tag, eight man tag. It's hard to have those not be entertaining if you've got the right guys in there, because uh, everyone gets to be fresh and, and do all, hit all their signature stuff. But it is definitely tarnished by its place in history. Uh, and yeah, uh, you know, the finishing sequence itself was a lot of fun, you know, despite the ending itself. But uh, yeah, man, that's uh, you definitely need to see it if you've never seen it before. But it is uh, it is not held up in history all that well, of course. Well, I just wrote too, like the ending overshadows everything else as far as the storyline goes. Like it's just it's just another vehicle to get Austin over as a heel. Like this whole invasion. And um he does his he tries his hardest, you know, once we'll, we'll we might cover that I'm not sure how much more interaction we'll have with Austin as we go down the rest of the months here, but of uh, the invasion storyline. But anyway, he's trying his hardest to get over as a heel and um you know, get some cheap heat here by being uh, involved with these guys, but it's just, um, I don't know, it's just different. And then Taker having Taker and DDP disappear at the end of the match is kind of weird for us, but right. but it's still it's a it's a fun match. I really do enjoy. I recommend. I recommend the entire show. Honestly, it's it's a fun watch. And folks, is what it is. It is what it is. We're gonna hear more about Sarah. We're gonna hear more about the Stalker. We're Dang gonna talk it. about more of this stuff next week. As we keep rolling, rolling, rolling to the last ride, means we got to roll through SummerSlam 2001. Uh, the good news is we get to talk about Canyon. <laughs> Who better than Canyon? We get to oh, talk man. about him a little bit. More tag team action from Undertaker and Kane, but yeah, unfortunately, we got to talk about Sarah and the Stalker and all this stuff as we try to get through this um we want to hear what you guys think of the invasion what you guys think of the stalker angle all of this nonsense all of this mess we appreciate you sticking along with us through this marathon through this journey we hope we made it entertaining for you uh, a couple quick shout outs i know we're going to try to wrap things up here real quick but a uh, quick shout out to at voodoo peep on instagram who reached out to us told us they're uh making their way through the archives and had a little correction for us from back in the Ministry of Darkness days. And We talked about the extreme T symbol, the X over the T. Uh, they said, I don't know if you ever noticed, but the uh, symbol uh, is the X over it is supposed to be two coffin nails on there. So, you know, representing the Undertaker. Uh, I don't know if I ever quite picked that up. I don't up think on. I ever put that together, That's no. That's pretty neat. So thanks for shouting us out. Thanks for joining, going through the archives and listening to all those. And another person going through the archives is at Smarkin' Friends on Twitter, which is the Smarkin' Friends podcast. They gave us a plug. They just ended up talking about Giant Gonzalez and uh, gave a shout-out to our podcast and our Dear WrestleMania 9 Giant Gonzalez episode. Long, long I'm sorry, time sorry, guys. Yeah. yeah, guess what? I'm yearning for those days as we're talking about Sarah. How sad is that? <laughs> Oh, I'm not. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, fair that enough. That was the worst. Fair enough. <laughs> Shout out to Vince Russo as well and the uh, 
Truth with Consequences podcast. They kind of stole our gimmick on this last episode as they talked about some of Vince Russo's worst ideas and some of the worst ideas that get attributed to him but aren't really his ideas, which we called our bromance of the week there for exactly. a little while. So, a little gimmick infringement, Vince. You know, uh, you know we'll, uh, we'll let on, you bro. have it this time since it is you and uh, we're using your gimmick, but, you know, whatever, whatever. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's a good show, though. It's entertaining. Uh, it's worth, If you haven't listened to his show before, uh, check out that one for sure. Oh, yeah. It's fun. So, man, will that being said, any more shout-outs we got here? No, we just want you guys to follow us. Uh, we, we'll shout you out. Uh, everyone out there, was, uh, we love your interactions. We want to hear from you. Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. It's real easy, at Talk and Taker. And subscribe. Subscribe along the way on all your favorite podcasts and services as we'll continue on next week to SummerSlam 2001. Oh, yeah, man. What a good show this was. Uh, I, I have good memories of this show. Just some fun matches. Not um, of Undertaker's match, but in general, I did. Oh, yeah, we'll see. We'll get to that. Okay, <laughs> so, okay. No, oh, no, I, I agree with you. I'm just yeah. saying it is what it is. But um, I, I remember the, the WWF title match very vividly. So, um, But anyway... Um, we'll get to that, and uh, if you were there in the Gund Arena, now I got a special if you were there. If you were there in March when Shane took over the company, and you were there at Invasion, we want to hear from you for sure. You are a super mark. You're <laughs> a super creature of the night. You're amazing. I would love to hear that, but if you were there in the Gund Arena this night, let us know. Those of you remember this era, let us know what you thought about the Invasion. Are we, are we wrong? Was it amazing? Was it incredible? If you were there in Atlanta with me that night, where, where it took a whole new turn, let us know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and thank you for our, uh, speaking of Atlanta, thanks for our feedback on our WCW episode. We had a lot of fun doing that last week, and we might can revisit some special bonus-type episodes later on down the line. So thank you guys for your suggestions and for giving us good feedback about that. So other than that, ladies and gentlemen, it's long. It's been a long episode. It's late. We got two words for you. Take her easy. As far as I'm concerned, this is all the Undertaker's fault. Every damn bit of it. I mean, come on. DDP would not be here in the World Wrestling Federation if it wasn't for the Undertaker. The Undertaker said, oh, no, no. DDP gets a full access pass. He can go anywhere he wants to. So, therefore, with Kane losing the WWF Intercontinental title tonight, that's his brother's fault. That's the Undertaker's fault. be honest with you, Vince, you know that old expression, where there's DDP, there's bound to be Booker T. <laughs> you know? <laughs> That's an old expression? No, I, I just made it up. <laughs>